Welcome to Whatever Podcast, episode 43. Your favorite podcast to listen to all of the cool jazz hits of the 1990s <laughs> and late 80s. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going for there. Yeah. Also, we talk about comics and nerdy shit like that. Um, we're going to be talking about a whole lot of DC stuff this week. We've got some Justice League news, uh, you know, quasi-rumors. Um, we've got tons of comics to talk about. We have uh, Star Wars news and, you know, a couple of other things we're going to get into, too. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Eddie. And I'm Matt. Yeah. Matt's the, Matt's the voice of Smooth Jazz 97. 97.5. Barely the voice of anything this week. I've been yeah. sick all fucking week. Yep. Uh, but as it turns out, he uses the same home remedy that I do, which is, uh, of course, whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's feeling chipper. As good as a fiddle. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, uh, we have some other news this week. Uh, um, we, at least, got to taste the whatever IPA. We did. We moved into the secondary, and it's delicious. It is. Um, I can't wait for it to be carbonated and all that good stuff, which, I mean, the sad part is we're still, like, five weeks away from, from that happening. Yeah, it's a patient process. It, it, it's kind of rough. Like, I, I do think that I'm going to get the enjoyment out of it, having not just gone to the supermarket and bought a six-pack of it. But uh, on the other hand, like, I could go do that right now, and then I could just drink the beer, which is kind of frustrating. Which you actually did. Yeah, I, I, did, I did. I mean, it, we are doing a podcast tonight. I mean, let's not get crazy. We don't do this shit sober, people. <laughs> Eddie yeah. tried it once. That was the worst show ever. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you guess which one. DC news this week? We got a lot of it. Yeah, we do, we do. Considering it's summer and like basically nothing is happening right now, um, there was actually quite a bit of uh, you know pretty solid DC news. Yeah, we got we got a vixen for Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, and that's a typo in the show notes. So before you read it, it's Macy Richardson Will, uh, Sellers, Macy Richardson Sellers, who at first glance I thought was like Macy Williams from uh, Game of Thrones and Doctor Who, but um, that would be wrong. She's you know not a twelve year old girl. It's, in this. it's not Maze. No, no. She, uh, you know, or corn, as the uh, Native Americans would call it. Not no. with a K. No, it's uh, Macy. Sorry. It should be, uh, you know, another I in there. Yeah. Um, actually, surprisingly enough, I don't know a ton about the character of Vixen. Uh, I had no clue. Nor the actress playing her. So uh, just a cool little tidbit of information, which is why I wanted to lead with that, because the other stuff we have to talk about is way cooler. Yeah, I think we've gotten Vixen a little bit already in the... Um, Flaro universe. Uh, I think she was in Legends once already, and I think she was in Arrow. Maybe she was in Arrow. That's what I'm thinking. She's of. been in Arrow a couple times, I think. Yeah, but I think we got a whole new actress here uh, for the role, which is kind of an interesting choice. But you know, here we are. So, yeah, yeah, new casting for uh, Legends, which should give you an idea maybe of where they're going to go with the next season, because we've obviously got some characters up in the air and you know some vacancies on the team uh, uh, with the season finale. Yeah, of this season. So. Um. And we've got Justice League news. Actually, we've got a couple things oh, in Justice League news. Sorry, we got to jump into one thing before we go there, because I don't know why I forgot to put this on the show notes. Batman but, news? No, not quite. Actually, back to the Arrow universe okay. for a second. Or Flaro, rather. Uh, the Flash. We have a, a little tidbit. A, a little, oh, yeah. A little soup of of uh, You stupid news. idiot. Why isn't that in the show notes? I know, right? Fuck me. <laughs> um, and that is uh, Grant Gustin confirmed this week that the season three, episode one title will be... Dun dun dun, Flashpoint. Flashpoint. Yeah, we're yeah. doing Flashpoint. Although he has said, you know, we're going to be doing it a little bit differently and blah blah blah. And I assume that you know is kind of obvious because it's not like they're going to suddenly invent Superman or something for that. But dude, within ten minutes of that breaking, 
via Twitter from Grant Gustin, like there was already rumors swirling about who was going to play uh, Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I saw, was at the top of the list for, for that role. I don't know if there's any truth to it. Well, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, did he would be reprising his role as Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Although, guys, that's not going to happen. We're not bringing... Uh, we're not bringing back Batman for this. Um, you know, there's what I think they're probably going to do, or what's pretty likely, is if they have Robert Queen return, and and do it from that standpoint instead of having Ollie be, or instead of having it be Bruce that died, it's going to be Ollie. Yeah, they could do something like that, but they could also do something completely different. Like that might be the part where Grant said we're doing things differently because we don't have an established relationship between um anybody in Barry right now really other than arrow uh you know green arrow yeah um i think there's a Hero lot of wise. i think there's a lot of analogs they can go <laughs> with um as far as like the original um flashpoint story like i think uh you know if you drop robert queen in in place and have him play the you know uh green arrow role like like uh batman was in the original flashpoint story i think you can also do the same sort of thing with supergirl like you could also have her play the superman role in supergirl um or yeah, you could have her play the Superman role in Flashpoint so she could, you know, show up on the planet and instead of being, you know, becoming the hero we love today, she ends up, you know, getting trapped by the USSR or something like that and being utilized as a weapon or blah, blah, blah. So, do you like a little bit of a Red Sun? Yeah. Yeah. Well, give it a little taste of the Red Sun, but, you know, mixing what they did with the Superman in the Flashpoint story. Um, just essentially where instead of getting picked up by the Kents, he gets picked up by... Uh, the government actually, I said I said the USSR, but I'm pretty sure it was the, just the states, the United States that picked him up in Flashpoint. Um, USSR was the uh, Red Sun storyline y- completely. Yeah, sorry, um, but yeah, I don't see that why they couldn't do a similar analog in the this story with um, Kara. So yeah, and then who else we got? Um, they'd have to do something with Legends, but you know, Legends is probably the one where they can or would most stray from they, they don't the have Flashpoint story actually yeah, at all because of the whole time shenanigans yeah, kind of just exists in its own little pocket because of the time travel and whatnot so yeah but anyway we've got enough stuff going on um, with Flashpoint or enough possibilities for how they could adapt that to the CW universe that I'm super excited for it what I, the only question I have is how long of a, of a story is this like do we get a one night tie in you know four shows for you know Flashpoint you know tie-in sort of stories or is this something that's going to have lasting ramifications or even go on for a couple of episodes in each of the shows part of me hopes that it goes on all season and they bring in the other shows along with it and their timelines are different as well and we get to see different variations of it i think that would be super cool probably not all that likely but super cool yeah um yeah, I don't. I don't think this is going to be a season long thing. I think that there may be lasting repercussions that last season long because I, I, Flashpoint is such a gigantic story to be telling. Um, if they don't, you know, I think they'd be missing the boat a little bit if there were no lasting repercussions. Um, yeah, do, I mean, do we have an, a new Fifty Two esque like reboot? relaunch after the Flashpoint events take place? You know See, what I mean? I don't, like, I don't think they're going that far with it. Um, I do think that this is how they're getting Supergirl to the CW verse. That. It's the smart play. Yeah, like it, that's a that's an idea I think we bandied about once already, at least once already on hey, the show. So, hey Guggenheim, you know what the other smart play is? Bring back the canary. Yeah, and that's another thing. Like I think that um, it's very likely at this point they've got to have seen the backlash, um, the ratings for the end of uh, season four of Arrow. Yeah. 
just went straight into the tank. So um, at, at this point, I think it's more than just like, you know, the suits or whatever can be like, oh, Guggen- Guggenheim says it's fine and we've got viewers. So who really gives a shit if a bunch of nerds don't like the show? Um, but they're losing viewers like rapidly. So I think that the, even the suits are going to start giving a shit and, you know, make them tighten up on some of the stupider decisions that they made in the last year. So I'm really, really hoping that they use Flashpoint as a way to get, um, you know, some semblance of not retardedness out of Arrow. Um. So let's talk Justice League. Yeah. Um, and actually, after we talk Justice League, I have a little bit of Batman, like, like as in Ben Affleck Batman shit. To I'm going to have to remember to actually the add the shit to the show yeah. notes like I should have done all week. Yeah. Um, so Batman, Bat, well, no, sorry, Justice League first. Um, so the first rumor we have is that Superman will likely get less screen time in the Justice League movie. I'm for it. I kind of am too, because at this point, I think if they don't know how to use the character very well, then the best idea is probably just to stop fucking it up. I think he'll be, he'll still be dead for the the at least first half hour of the movie anyway. Yeah, sorry, spoilers, guys. If you haven't seen uh, Batman vs. Oh. Superman, <laughs> oops, you probably shouldn't have been listening to the last like 10 episodes because we've been talking about it for a while. But if you haven't seen that movie, at the end, we do get the death of Superman storyline. So I think that there's a very good likelihood that we don't see Superman through most of the Justice League because he's you know still quote-unquote dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And like I said, I'm, I'm kind of for that idea anyway, because they've not really, they didn't do a very good job with Superman in the last movie and, and man of steel was, I'd say lukewarm at best. You know, we got close to what the character could be, but not necessarily what it should be. And don't Um, get me wrong. I love, I love Henry Cavill. Like, I think he's like, he's got the perfect look for it. And, and he's, he's good. He, 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 uh, he has the look and he can do the mannerisms. It's just, they're not writing Superman like a superman story like they're they're almost kind of you know it's it's the whole dc gritty and dark and broody that everybody has to be which um you know that's not superman so yeah anyway we're we still both enjoyed man of steel and i think it's both still a movie that we like um and even batman versus superman as much of a clusterfuck that was i'd still say i'd like the movie yeah and i enjoyed a good portion of the movie there's just like key things that were done incredibly incredibly wrong yeah, that's that's the big thing. Like, it's just another sort of, um, you know, like it wouldn't bother me too much if we got like a DCCU rebirth uh, sort of event and we could undo some of the sillier shit that they've done in the Snyderverse so far. Um, like the Flash goes back in time and then when he fixes reality, like he's not Ezra Miller anymore. Because I think, I think yeah. that would be a good fix. <laughs> he comes back as like a giant, you know, strong blonde dude and he's like, wow. I thought I was a skinny little whiny stoner. Serious, man. Yeah. Anyway. Multiverse, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> gosh, you know, I really hope to be wrong about as this. As drunk but... as I've been doing this podcast, I've still never sounded like that guy. No. I, no. I want what he's having. Yeah. Same. <laughs> um, and we're in Oregon, so it's probably legal here. Probably. Yeah. I don't think heroin's legal, though. Oh, good, good point. Good point. Um. You know, I really hope I'm wrong, but like one of the things that I said going into Batman versus Superman, and I think this is pretty much true for all of us, is that we were kind of, all kind of like, uh, you know, I don't see Zuckerberg as Lex Luthor, who Jesse Eisenberg is his actual name. Uh, I don't see Eisenberg, you know, being a good Lex Luthor, and we were winning, but we were all like, well, but you know, we said the same thing about Heath Ledger and the Joker, except for we walked out of this movie and we were like, nope, I was a pretty fucking smart call. Uh, yeah. Jesse Eisenberg does not work as Lex Luthor. And and for those of you following along at home, Jesse Eisenberg does not, in fact, own Facebook. No, he doesn't. Uh, his uh, there's a guy that looks a lot like him that, that does though. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have uh, a still of the Batmobile. 
Yeah, so um, there's a couple of things in here. We get a basic synopsis of the Justice League movie. We've got um, a, a logo for the Justice League, which the logo is fine. Um, I kind of wish they would have done something a little bit different with the star. But the Dude, big... it's kind of like 60s comic book looking. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I, I put this in here for, one of the favorite things is the still of the Batmobile we got. Like Somebody making these movies really fucking lux- loves the Arkham games because this is the Arkham Knight Batmobile. Like I'm sure there's some changes, um, but this is essentially what you get in the Arkham Knight Batmobile. Um, it looks so close. Like I, I'm not sure that I've ever seen him do something so similar, except for maybe this uh, in Rebirth, the, the Batmobile in Rebirth we saw in issue number one, I think, of Batman. Mm-hmm looks spot on for the fucking animated 1992 batman yeah uh batmobile so anyway there's definitely some fans especially when you watch the warehouse scene there's definitely some fans of the arkham games making this movie because they're they're pulling a lot of inspiration from the arkham games it looks to me so um but the synopsis the synopsis is sort of interesting so it says fueled by his restored faith in humanity and inspired by superman's selfless act uh bruce wayne enlists the help of his newfound ally diana prince to face an even greater enemy um together batman and wonder woman who work quickly to find and recruit a team of metahumans to stand against the newly awakened threat but despite the formation of this unprecedented league of superheroes batman wonder woman aquaman cyborg and the flash uh note that it does not mention superman in there which correct we'll come back to that in a second it may already be too late to save the planet from his assault on catastrophic proportions so number one i think they're giving away the lead a little bit there um i really don't like we were saying earlier i don't think we see superman until the last part of this movie and i think that's going to be sort of as a comeback because we need our big gun sort of uh, when he has to show up to whoop dark side's ass yeah kind of like we you know wonder woman was in batman versus superman um the second was going to be who do we think is going to be the big bad but i think we've got enough of a hint in, in uh, batman versus <laughs> superman that yeah it's probably going to be dark side and uh last um yeah i don't know how i feel about the justice league really coming together without superman at the helm to be from the beginning I mean, I know he's going to be one of the three originals because they're going to be like, he's going to wake up after a few months of them kicking ass and he's going to be like, oh, remember that one time we fought together? You know, like I'm, you know, one of the main He's going to kind of walk in and be like, all right, Batman, what are we doing? Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, that's another thing that like I'm not really super excited about with this version of the characters is that I don't know how well they get the whole uh, Clark and Bruce relationship. We'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think we're going to see it in this movie. They're bros now because, you know, Martha, but... Yeah, obviously. I mean, we, your mom has the same name, so all of a sudden I shouldn't kill you. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise, though, it's fine. Um, it's a good thing her, her name wasn't like uh, Mary or something. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I'm not... And, and I think, you know, just based on what we were talking about a second ago, we probably don't get any of that fleshing out of this relationship in the next movie. And I think by the time we get to a third Justice League movie, it's going to be such an afterthought. They're just going to kind of pretend it was there all along. Yeah. Um, you know, so... Yeah, but anyway, Batmobile looks rad. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I believe this was a Nerdist News article, and I will look it up and find it and, and throw it in the show notes, hopefully. Um. Or I won't, and this will just be completely hearsay. But yeah. Um. This is this is more Batfleck news actually, but this is this is actually about Batman. Um. Uh, the upcoming Batman the standalone standalone movie. Yeah. So um. Affleck um basically kind of. Did in an interview kind of shed some light on his promotion to executive producer on Justice League, and he talks about um, he didn't come right out and say that he's babysitting Zack Snyder, which I mean we kind of know that is the case at this point anyway. But yeah, uh, he also he what he what he basically said is that because he is kind of like the the 
one man show when it comes to the new bat film that him being an executive producer on this film is important because events in this film are going to have an effect on his movie and vice versa so he's got to have a good idea of where the story and this is going and be able to influence that in some way to make his movie make sense and all that good stuff um the other piece of news that he said is that warner brothers he's pretty sure has a date set for batman Mm -hmm. he said he's probably not going to make that date though (laughs) um basically what he said is right now he doesn't have a script that he's 100 percent on board with it's getting there but it's not a movie that he would go make right now and he um intimated that he has been on the wrong end of scripts that weren't what they (laughs) should have been prime time yeah before before going into production so he says he absolutely refuses uh, to step into this half cocked and he's going to make sure that he's comfortable 100% with the script before before anything moves forward with it so see I'm excited for this because um, I think that's a great role for him to have obviously his Batman is killer like as much as we didn't like about Batman versus Superman his Batman is definitely not one of those things um, but he's so good behind the camera too um, mm-hmm. you know like he's got huge writing credits already you know starting off with you know something like Goodwill Hunting um, his directing credits are getting longer and longer and they, he's just making phenomenal movies so well and he's, he's and he loves this character he's like, putting his big boy pants on for this like and he, like he yeah. knows as much as anybody else how many people have shit on him for some of the different things that he's done in his career. And he's done great things. And the things that he's done that have been lauded as being the great things, he's been in charge of. So, yeah. Like, he's a smart guy. He, I think he, he sometimes goes along with, you know, dumb roles or something like that. Like, Gili, like, you know, like that. Not the worst movie I've ever seen, by the way. Well, that's probably the kindest thing that's ever been said about it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think that it, Ben getting more of a role in Justice League is probably for the best. Um, I, I'm really interested to see what the um, you know power balance shakeup looks like right now in the Justice League. Because as I understand it, Snyder basically got pretty much carte blanche with uh, uh, Batman versus Superman. So I'm wondering it, what he came out with at the end. Is it like a, now a three-way split between, you know, Ben, Jeff Johns, and um, uh, Snyder? Is it, you know, he's still controlling half of the things and, you know, the other two are there to rein him in on some other stupider decisions? Um, um, my understanding is that Zack Snyder is directing this film. And that's it. Yeah. Somebody else can write and make all the story decisions. Um, I mean, the script, I think, was probably already there, and he probably already had some influence on the script before we, we moved into production. But as far as the people that are in charge, we got Jeff Johns um, and the Warner Brothers exec that they partnered him with, and then we got Ben yeah, um, as executive producer. We also have the relationship between Ben and Jeff that already exists and that they're working on the script for Batman together. Yeah. So um, I think if anything comes down to it, like... Zach's going to be the odd man out if it comes down to having to do a vote. Yeah, I could see that. And I think, um, you know, I don't think he's he's kind of getting a lot of shit for this movie, but I don't think it's entirely due to him, too. Like, I, I don't think that there's anybody in the writer's room that would have been like, you know what this needs? And that would be, of course, the email scene. Like, I, I'm fairly sure that had to come, you know, via studio meddling. I just wish they could have done figured out a more organic way to fit, you know, some sort of Justice League tie-in into the works, but... That's part of it, but I mean, isn't he an exec producer on these movies too? Yeah, I mean, and like at the end of the day, he's the guy calling cut. Yeah, and see, the thing is, is like we've already seen with Civil War, he didn't market it poorly, like the we, folks at Warner Brothers did. We've but. seen with Civil War that you can do this many characters and you can do them well. 
Um, and you can, and, and of course, we've seen with the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, with maybe the exception of Iron Man 2, which I think was really just like the longest trailer for the Avengers that's ever been. Um, but for the most part, we've seen with Marvel that, that you can, you know, organically tie these things together well. And I just, whoever came up with that was just like, you know, I, I assume they had like a week left before that movie had to go to print or something like that. And they're just like, well, uh, fuck it, you know, just have have uh, have Gal Gadot just read some emails and we'll throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Justice League details. Um, Justice League still happening. I'm still super excited about it. I cannot wait to see what this looks like on screen. Probably the only thing that I'm really not excited about on the outset for this movie is that there's a big missing uh, green shaped hole in the room. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, of course, is not going to be there. A giant lantern shaped hole. Yeah. Yeah. So... If we could get, if we could somehow fit GL in there, like, and I don't even care, like, like they should introduce GL in the Justice League, like that would actually make sense. Justice League Part Two, I think, comes out before the Green Lanterns movie, and I think the the title for Green Lantern is Green Lanterns or the Green Lantern Corps. So we're yeah. we're gonna get a bunch of them. Yeah. Um. I, I, as much as I think it would be sweet to have Kyle Rayner represented, I think if anything, we're probably gonna get like a Hal Jordan, uh, John Stewart, Guy Gardner trio kind of a thing going on yeah that wouldn't surprise me um but of course with the the whole um you know previous the reynolds green lantern looming over the the heads of this this series it wouldn't surprise me if hal's downplayed significantly like yeah. it, it, it actually lends a little bit more possibility that we do get a kyle rayner uh to me because i think that they may want to be you know getting that taste out of people's mouths of course you know i said the same thing going into amazing spider-man when we were talking about uh possible miles morales you know well maybe after spider-man 3 people really want to you know move away from that direction solely but um of course you know it's peter parker so recast reboot yeah yep that's what we do um all right should we talk some star wars why the fuck not yeah let's do it um so we have you know this is kind of a spoiler but it was released by the studio and i don't think you're going to be able to make it without hearing this but uh it's, uh and who knows if the footage will even make the film after they do all their reshoots yeah um or if this is not something that was originally planned and they added it in later but needless to say uh spoilers 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 anyway we are definitely getting a darth vader in rogue one i kind of think we had to anyway yeah, I kind of think so too. Um, I'm interested to see what that's going to look like because this is Darth Vader at his prime. Like this is after you know sign- enough time after the whole um, you know ascension to Vader uh, from you know the prequels um, and just right before A New Hope. So um, this is essentially going to be Vader at his prime, and I cannot wait to see what that looks like. I think it looks like Hayden Christensen in a Darth Vader suit. I hope not. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's him. Oh, you think Hayden's actually going to be in, inside the suit? Because the next piece of this is that uh, James Earl Jones will be repli- reprising his role as the voice of Darth Vader. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of a given. I think you have to do that anyway. But um, yeah, it was a long time ago. like it, In a galaxy far, far away. Well, no. They, when we talked about episode seven, actually, um, yeah. it was kind of one of those things. It was, you know, it's... An internet rumor, obviously, but there was a lot of it going around that uh, um, basically Marvel, not Marvel, Disney execs kind of showed up and kidnapped Hayden Christensen and took him and started training him and whatnot. So <laughs> they're like, well, we need you to get a, like a foot taller and about three feet wider because for some reason we cast you in a role that obviously you're way too small for. You're going to have to lose the beer gut, fella. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, bro. Quit, quit fucking putting all the 
Quit, quit drinking all the episode two money. <laughs> it's like, but how else am I going to forget? Yeah. Do what Jake Lloyd did. Drugs and wreck a car. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever said do what Jake Lloyd did. One time somebody told him he should be Anakin Skywalker and he, he followed that advice. He's like, that sounds like fun. Wizards. Then I'm going to be a big dick about it for the next 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that kid anyway. Yeah. Um... So yeah, that's that's our Star Wars news. Um, again, I, I can't say for certain that it's that it's gonna be Hayden Christensen, but honestly, give the guy something. He's gonna be in the suit anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. In fact, that's what you know. When you said that, it wasn't weird to me that they would want to get him back. It's weird to me that they would want to get him back in the suit because what's the point of that? That I, almost if that's true, like if, if it ends up being Hayden in the in Rogue One, I would be really curious if he actually does spend all the time in the suit. David Prowse is like 71, so you can't get him to do it. Well, I know, but you know who else they can put in the suit? Fucking anybody, because he's got a full face mask on. So um, it it would be really surprising to me that they, you know, that's not not a role that necessarily has a high paycheck. (coughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're sorry, guys. I'm not going to be able to edit all the coughing out. And uh, so, deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The the other thing that I want to talk about a little bit with this is that um, this it, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but number one is I'm not entirely sure that based on the lateness and stage that we're getting this rumor about uh, Vader appearing in the movie that it was originally part of the plan, especially given the whole we're going to reshoot half the movie uh, articles we've heard. Yeah. So what this makes me wonder is if they feel like they need that sweet Vader juice to get this movie off the ground, which I don't think they do. In fact, I was going to, I would suggest even further, like, I think they can let go of the, you know, like we don't need solo in the movie. We don't need Vader in the movie. Like there's no real, uh, there's not a whole lot of point to having those characters involved in this story. And I think they could probably, you know, if they, if they, if they've got a compelling script, uh, I mean, I think the premise for the story is compelling enough on its own. If they got a compelling script, there's no reason to shove all those things in there. Um, I'm gonna. I, I said this last week, and I'm gonna go on record and say it again. Like, I think it's a mistake putting Han Solo in this movie at all because this movie is like what the year before. Yeah, I think I was saying the same thing. He's, he's nothing. He's else already from Harrison Ford by this point. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, there's. Um, Chewy. Yeah. Punch it. Punch it. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if we should. Should we even be in this movie? Yeah. Uh. So. You know, I just I know that they're not going to do this, uh, but I I do think, especially when they're saying, you know, we're going to make a Star Wars movie once a year. You don't need to stick to the main stories. Like, there's a whole bunch of shit. Like Star Wars, the the whole the galaxy is pretty fucking big. That's like, what's exciting about Rogue One is Rogue One wasn't supposed to be like a like part of the saga. Like, obviously, it was hinted at in the very first Star Wars movie that we got and whatnot. But like, this is something that we've not seen before. So yeah, just I give th- us this and. Like, if you got to put Vader in it, whatever, because, I mean, I think that's... I don't know how you'd do it without it, because he's the one that's leading the hunt to f- find the plans when, when we open up in episode four anyway. Yeah. Um, And they did say in the article that I read that they were going to use him sparingly. Like, he's not going to be... See, the thing that I read, and this is just fan theory, like there's absolutely nothing to back this up, but one of the thing, one of, somebody said something along the lines of what would be brilliant is if they only used him for the final, say, three minutes of the movie, and that's just basically to cut down the whole crew from Rogue One, um, you know, after they get the Death Star plans launched off, you know, via whatever mechanism for that, and then they all die. Like, that to me would be a badass way to end the movie, but I don't think they'll do that. Yeah, I don't know. 
But anyway, I'm just saying, guys, like, there's a big galaxy out there. You don't have to keep tying it back to the main storyline. No. Like, you can you can go off of that path a little bit, and it's going to be okay. Like, it'll be fine. Just make good movies. Like, essentially, what you've got is a, you know, wide-open universe to tell whatever kind of story you want to tell. Um, Dude, so. Do you know what would be awesome for Disney to do at this point? Hmm. Take, like, Tales from the Most Icely Cantina or Tales of the Bounty Hunters and do, like, a couple like 10 episode seasons of a TV show of a live action TV show yeah. based on those characters. See, I think we had rumors about a Boba Fett movie, didn't we? Yeah. Boba Fett's getting his own movie at some point, but yeah. And that actually, I could be really excited about too, because the, the Boba Fett movie does not need to include any. In fact, I think it would be even better if it didn't include anything um, up to uh, uh, a new hope. I think it would be even better if it just didn't acknowledge that episode two existed at all. Yeah, that'd be fair. Yeah, yeah. It just told from that point on, you know, like it starts tracking Boba once that's all, you know. Once he can pronounce his, his R's correctly. Yeah, that would be fine. So, so that's a Star Wars news for the week. I think we need some beer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this episode of Whatever Show has been brought to you by Kirkland Moist Flushable Wipes. Because without them, I'd still have shit in my ass. Uh, this is not the most shitty the show's ever been, so no. we'll allow it. Um, <laughs> Fuck you, it's my show. Of course we'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I edit it, though, so whose show is it really? Anyway. True. Let's True. let's talk about a whole bunch of miscellaneous shit. If I shit. sat here and did all this by myself, I'd still send it to you and be like, <laughs> we edit this. I don't know what to do. Uh, um, man, the joke's on him if he ever figures out how easy this is. Uh... All right, so let's talk about a couple of other things. Um, I have two pieces of show notes that I want to throw in there that uh, Matt's probably going to have nothing to contribute for, but nevertheless, they're nerdy, and you guys should go check them out. So number one, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, at Charles E. Smith, you could go find that I just discovered a show called Mr. Robot, um, mm-hmm. and it, it was not at all what I expected it to be. I mean, I'd heard of the show, or at least the name, a couple of times, and it turns out it's not probably what you expect it to be either. So uh, the show was amazing. Like, this is one of those shows that, like, I sat down. Um, it's online. I think I found it on Amazon, but it's other places as well. I think it actually airs on USA, um, which is very surprising because um, when I was watching this, I was like, wait, this is on even cable. This is, uh, you know, kind of a bit much. You know, like, it could be an HBO, you know, show or something like that, but I was kind of surprised it was on USA. So, number one, it's very good. Uh, I did not expect it, it to be um, what it is. Um, and what it is, sort of, is it kind of follows the, the story of this um, young hacker kid. Um, as he tries to overthrow the, you know, uh, society essentially. And it, that's probably the most reductive way of putting it. And it's a lot more interesting than that. But the, one of the reasons I'm recommending it is because, um, just hearing the word hacker these days kind of makes me inwardly cringe because, um, it's been bastardized into meaning, you know, the CSI sort of, you know, click on the keyboard a million times and you're into the Pentagon in like five seconds, uh, sort of style of bullshit. And that's not what this show's like at all. Like this is actually probably the most realistic portrayal of, you know, quote unquote hacking, um, that I've seen on TV, uh, boring as shit, tons of lines of code. Yeah. Yeah. Up to and including the fact that quite a lot of hacking these days is not actually hacking lines of code. It is, you know, social engineering and, and, you know, things like that. So there's a lot of different hacks and cracks and things like that that you see in this in this show through the, through its run so far that are legit like things that happened in real life sort of, um, you know, base or taken from that basis. So uh, the show, you know, maybe gets a little bit further than what you'd, you'd expect in real life um, with some of its stuff. 
you know, so if, if you're a super big IT nerd, like, uh, you know, say Matt, who does that for a profession or me, who just, you know, is an amateur IT nerd, uh, some of the things are still going to create just a little bit from a realism standpoint, but not so much that you're just like, oh, fuck, I can't watch this. Like it, it, it really does probably the best job of a show that I've ever seen and portrayal of that. Um, and while it does get a little bit like, okay, this is TV time now, it, it's definitely not enough that it like breaks immersion or anything like that. So, um, totally worth watching. Um, that, and it's just a good show. Like that is, sort of a device that they use in the show but it's not a um it's be all and end all um it is you know heavily centered around that but it, it at its at its core it is you know just another good story so yeah it, well the lead is um played by rami malik yeah and he's super good like he's he's a, a really talented actor like if you saw the movie need for speed it's mostly kind of just a shit race car movie um but Aaron Paul is is decent in it. I mean, he kind of just plays Jesse still, yeah. but he's he's decent in it. But Rami Malek is in it too, and and he's really fucking good. Yeah, and I I you know he's the lead in the show, but he's kind of one of the standouts. Like he's um you know I don't I I think I've only ever seen Rami Malek in uh, this is gonna sound funny, but Night of the Museum. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and so like he's such uh such a better actor than you know that movie would give you the idea of. Yeah. So um. Anyway, check that show out. Uh, the second thing I want to mention before we move on to something else that Matt's not going to care about is uh, the soundtrack on that show is phenomenal. Like, I love it. I love the soundtrack on that show. Like, uh, I really need to go find that and, and, you know, get that on my phone because I could listen to that all the time. Like, especially, like, whenever I do anything in the computer that I need to think about, I, I like to put on, you know, some sort of, like, uh, um, instrumental kind of crap and that's not the only thing that's in that soundtrack but um there's a lot of you know music done for the show that's just phenomenally well done so like if you're a fan of nine inch nails or something like that or um i don't know uh glitch mob or you know any of those kind of guys so it's got some post-industrial stuff yeah a little bit um and it, i don't know i want to say it, it reminds me a lot of uh, nine inch nails ghosts album mm. which was basically like trent reznor and atticus ross just fucking around and you know doing a bunch of different um um, instrumental tracks and you know throwing it out there so there's it's gotta be it's like 35 tracks long I think uh, Ghost is um, and they're not all you, you know, know who's super talented hmm. Trent Reznor yeah as it turns out yeah funny story um, but this this really reminded me of that or this soundtrack really reminded me of that quite a bit and I really enjoyed it so uh, if you don't want to check out the show you should at least go check out the soundtrack if you're interested in that kind of music okay the other thing that I want to talk about that Matt doesn't care about at all um, but he should is Game of Thrones dude it's not that I don't care it's just it's that just, I haven't, yeah, I haven't made he hasn't gotten to it I know I know uh, same thing with me for Breaking Bad but anyway Ashley and I finally made the time to catch up we were behind probably by almost a season so we were we started off in the last you know four or five weeks I think in the middle of season gosh it would have been five four i can't remember what season we're even watching right now i think we're in season six right now yeah yeah so we started off in the middle of season five or something like that or the very beginning of season five and we've caught up through the whole thing and god this show just keeps getting better like uh th there's a whole lot of things like i don't really want to talk about the show too much because um i already had a couple of moments for it spoiled for me thanks a lot internet um, because everybody was like, oh, if we post this, nobody's going to know what that means, even though it's pretty blatantly fucking obvious. Uh, but there's a lot of things yeah, we, that we get the hold the door references guys. Yeah, it's fine. Everybody did. Sorry, but you probably already had that spoiled for you because I know I did before I actually got to yeah. that episode and it's like, well, thanks a lot, dickhead, uh, whole internet. Um, so there, that, which is actually oddly funny that like that, that was the first thing I saw. Like I saw it and I was like, oh, close, close the tab. I didn't see anything. I'm going to pretend. And then I ran into like 16 times that day. I was like, well, okay, fine. I guess we've all just decided that we don't care about Game of Thrones spoilers all of a sudden. Um, 
but anyway, the, the, the show just keeps getting better and better and better. Um, and, uh, that's saying a lot because it was already a good fucking show to begin with. So, um, the season finale is tonight. Uh, that's what I'm doing as soon as I get home is, is watching the season finale. Um, and I'm super excited for it because, um, we're actually getting to a point. This is another odd thing for me. We're ahead of the books now. Um, in this season, I think we're, I'm pretty confident we're ahead of the books. I'm not positive because quite honestly, I didn't finish dance with dragons. Um, because these last couple books have been boring as shit to me. Like feast for crows. I, I trudged through and then halfway through dance with dragons. I'm like, well, I still don't care. So I give up and I guess I'll wait until somebody tells me that, you know, I, I need to trudge through to get to, you know, book seven or something like that. But at this point, the show's definitely going to finish before the books do. And at this point, uh, I think we're seeing things in the, in the show that we have not seen in the books yet because they haven't happened in the books yet which is sort of an interesting place because my wife you know has been pissed off at me this whole time having been ahead of the show the entire time and every time you know like like during the red wedding I, i'm just looking at her like with the, the deepest and darkest of glee you know watching her watch what's going down because i know you know you know what's going to happen uh and now i'm kind of like well fuck i don't know what's going on and that's actually kind of made it a little bit more fun because this is the first time i've ever actually seen a lot of this stuff so I did the same thing with the first season of Walking Dead because I already read all the comics by the time yeah. that show came out. So I was, and then, um, well, I shouldn't say that. By the time we started watching the show, I think we, I think the show was probably three seasons in before we actually started watching it. But oh, really? Yeah, that's funny because I think we started watching it earlier than you guys did, probably, and that's funny error because I think you started reading the comic long before we did. Yeah, I, I definitely, I didn't pick up the comic. I think until issue hundred and thirty or something was out. Or, Probably yeah. around those times. So yeah. Which, but yeah, that's been the same thing. I guess we just had a new one, didn't we? We probably have one we haven't talked about yet, but we haven't read yet as well. So I'll have to check into that. Uh, one fifty six. Yeah, I think one fifty six is out. I don't know if we talked about one fifty six. I read it. I don't know if you did. Uh, is it? Is it's? There's more interaction with Negan and Alpha. I think I've read it too. Then. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Which is all funny. You no, know, you know what? I think we have talked about that. No, we talked about his first interaction with, with Alpha. Hmm. And being surprised that he was still alive. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, that's another, you know, sort of funny one, too, because... I, I don't, is your wife caught up? Yeah. Well, yeah. with the comics? Yeah. No, I think she's like three or four issues behind. Oh, okay. So, uh, like, my wife doesn't read comics at all. So, like, again, I started probably, we must have been at the beginning of season five or something like that for The Walking Dead, and I read everything that was out. So, we got to a point where it's kind of like, okay, I know the broad arcs, and so she'd kind of get pissed. Like, even right now, she's kind of, you know, like, with the last season finale, um, she had heard what was going to happen in the story, but that's like one of the first times she's actually kind of had some foreknowledge of what might happen in the story. And then of course they dicked us over with that cock block of an ending. So whatever. God damn it. Yeah. You give us Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan and he was perfect. And then, yeah. And then you did that. Our Lord giveth and he taketh away. Gimple. Fucking Gimple. Fucking Gimple. Yeah. Anyway, now back on to our regularly scheduled show notes. Um, we have a little bit of news with uh, Dread yeah. 2. Um, and, and, and as in there's going to be one. Yeah. Uh, Carl Urban confirms Dread, Dread, ugh, sorry, Dread 2 is in production. And I guess we should clarify a little bit. That doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be one. That does mean that there's a pretty decent likelihood that there's going to be one. But movies have been canceled in production many, many times before. Sure. But um, you've seen Dread, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking phenomenal movie. Loved it. 
Yeah, uh, Dread, Dread is one of those uh, just sort of uh, sleepers that you don't really expect to be as awesome as they are, but it totally, it was totally good. Dude, do you know that there are people out there that prefer the Stallone version to this one? I mean, I, there, yeah, I, there's people that are wrong about lots of stuff, but it is a little upsetting that there are people that exist that prefer the Stallone version. Yeah. You know, given that it was barely a Dread story at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, Dread, Dread, the first movie was phenomenal, and I really like Carl Urban in that role, if nothing else, for the fact that he said, I'm not taking off the helmet. Fuck you. You know. Which was perfect. Yeah. He's not supposed to. Uh, spoilers, Dread, Dread doesn't take off the helmet. That's one of the reasons why the Stallone version was bullshit. Um, a very small part of the reason the Stallone version was bullshit, but uh, Dread doesn't take off the helmet. And um, Does he sleep in it? Well, I assume he has to take it off at some point, but... I've never, um, I, I, honestly, Dread's one of the few, like comic book properties that I've not actually read any of the comic books from. You know, and I, I'm honestly getting my information on this secondhand. Like, as far as I'm aware, uh, there's, I'm sure at this point he may has, maybe has taken off the helmet sometime in one of the panels, but like the Stallone version, he barely wore the helmet. Yeah. Um, and that's not really true to the comic character at all. I mean, for the most... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The actual lines of dialogue, folks, he's not even making that up. Um, anyway, the, the Stallone version, you know, of course he has the helmet off the whole time because Wood Hollywood star wants to go and do a movie, uh, where he doesn't get to show his face the whole time. Uh, but you know, as it turns out, it's one who's true to his craft, like Carl Urban and says, no, that's, that's not the story we're making. Dread wears the helmet. I'm wearing the helmet. The end. Uh, Urban is the guy that made Doom mm-hmm. and learned from it. Yeah. He and the rock. I mean, not, and not that he sucked balls in Doom. I mean, that movie sucked anyway but yeah um <coughs> I although mean, i did quasi enjoy the first person scene i hated it you did i, hated I, thought, it. It, I thought it was a little gimmicky but um, that's why i was in no way shape or form interested in watching that fucking bullshit movie that just came out uh a couple months ago that was all done like via gopro or whatever yeah i don't know what you're talking which movie that it was, was an action flick but everything was 100 percent first person from the the perspective of of the dude see I could see that being done well, um, it, but in Doom, like in Doom, the thing that I liked about it was it was a novel concept, didn't get used well at all. It like, obviously was there as an homage to the fucking F first person shooter game. You yeah, know, that, I mean, I get it, that, it, it was but. fan service, and that's I think the thing about that scene that I didn't like is that um, okay. So first off, I liked it as fan service, but I didn't like it, it purely as fan service because I thought they could have done a little bit more with that scene uh, or ha or that. Um, uh, trick that camera you know that that camera style i thought they could have done a little bit more first person they could have tied that into the movie a little bit better in the hands of a more capable director you know dp um that could have been a much better utilized uh thing in that movie but you know it, the, what we got essentially ended up being fan service but i still liked it so what made me angry about it was that they included the same sounds that your character makes in the game yeah which you know since the, we know it's carl urban right whatnot. behind there yeah yeah um but carl urban uh, to my point, though, he's the kind of guy that um, does what's necessary for the role. Like, um, was DeForest Kelly the best actor we've ever seen in a, te in a television series? No, but everybody loved McCoy. So when they did the reboots for Star Trek, like, Carl Urban is the one that is, well, Zach, Zach Quinto is pretty close, too. But, like, Carl Urban, like, with the inflection and everything else, like, he obviously studied a lot of game film and decided that that's what he was going to do. Carl, uh, Carl Urban and, and 
you know, Zach Kinto, I don't think you, unless you were going to portray the Vulcans in a completely different way, I think they would have had a hard time, you know, having Spock be anything other than Spock. Um, you know, it, you, how, um, God, I don't know why I do this with names so much, but I can't remember Spock. What's Spock's fucking name? Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, there's just not, if, unless you're going to make the Vulcans into something entirely different, there's just not many different ways you can play, uh, you know, other than the way that Leonard Nimoy did it. Um, it's sort of established canon. Um, McCoy, though, isn't necessarily. McCoy's just another human. And so I thought Carl Urban did enough of a, um, I would call it an homage rather than like a straight ripoff or, you right. know, he, he, he did enough of an homage to the, um, DeForest Kelly, but give it enough of his own, you know, you know, personal a touch on the character that I, re- I, you know, I liked it. It was different enough, but not so much so that it's like, well, you're not even playing the same character now. Yeah. I can't wait till July 22nd when I get to go see him do it again. Yeah, Star Trek Beyond coming very soon, folks. Very soon. It is. It is, in fact. Oh, fuck me. Speaking of movies that are coming very soon, then you know what I forgot to do? Uh, go buy tickets for The Killing Joke. I think it's coming out in Salem, so we need to do that. Is it going to be in Salem? I think it is. I think it is. Anyway, that's that's off the air Bryce talk. Gonna, we'll come back Bryce to is going to have to come down and go with us. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. So, um, Carl Urban, Dread 2 in the works. We're excited, I think. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed Dread. I might it's, actually see this in theaters. I didn't actually see the, the first one until it was actually already out on Blu-ray. See, this is a good type of movie to see in theaters because, you know, maybe they're going to do more to establish canon and make it a bigger story than it is. But the, the thing that I really liked about Dread is just the same thing that I really liked about Mad Max Fury Road. Um, it doesn't try to be more than it is. It's a popcorn action flick. There's lots of violence. There's lots of, you know, cool shit going on. Um, that's what I want in a Dread movie, and I'm hoping they're going to do something similar with Dread 2. Um, they can expand on that a little bit, uh, but I don't think they should go too far off the beaten path and forget, you know, what it is that they are. Um, you know, so similarly, that's what I really liked about Mad Max Fury Road. It told a very compact story, um, you know, for a 90 minute film or whatever. Was it only 90 minutes? I don't know. There wasn't I'm very sure much dialogue, so it seemed. It, yeah, it, but it, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it very much was action heavy, focused on, you know, that whole thing. There was a story involved in it, but um, that wasn't essentially the point uh, to me of the movie. Yeah, my wife hated that movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. Did well, you like it? I did. I did. I, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was really well told, and I thought it was done better than um, probably the rest of the installments in the Mad Max series. And I'm going to get shot for that because. Road Warrior is one of people's favorite movies. I was just ever, gonna but. say, don't you can't go. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you Thunderdome, but um, in in Mad Max or you know, dude, have you ever watched the original Mad Max? But I have watched. It's, it's fucking have, hard to watch these days. It doesn't age well at all. The first one is bad. Um, Road Warrior, I I still hold up that that's good. No, that, Road Warrior is awesome. Movie. I like that movie. But Thun- Thunderdome was a little retarded, a little. No. I mean, it was still a Mad Max movie, and it was Tina all right. Turner but, and all. Tina Turner and the whole, you know, that thing. So whatever. Um, did you know that the villain in uh, Fury Road is the same guy that played the main villain in the original Mad Max? I did know that. Solid piece of trivia, though. Yeah, yeah. Different character completely, but but same actor. Yeah, I thought that was actually kind of rad that they did that. Yeah. Um, so what experience do you have? Well, I've already played the villain in one of your movies. Um, same story, actually. Yeah. That one had Mel in it, and if I can survive a movie set with Mel Gibson, then, uh, you know. Yeah, he he kept saying, you know, don't fuck up your lines, you stupid Jew, over and over again, and here we are. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we love you, Mel. Yeah, we, and I don't even know if that guy's a Jew. I'm sorry. I don't either. Yeah. Man, we're not going to be able to get Gibson on this podcast now. No. Jesus. Which I almost had him locked, too. Way to fuck yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Mel's people will edit this right out. 
Yeah. Yeah. You can delete stuff from the internet. Uh, and we got a little bit of Power Rangers news. This is a weird fucking thing to say. We have some Power Rangers news. I'm excited. I am excited. <laughs> I'm such a I'm such a little kid for this. Uh, but we're getting a we're getting a Power Rangers reboot. I think we talked I, about I that on the show. I stood in line for an hour to meet the Green Ranger. Come on. Yeah, I and, mean, yeah. As much as my kids were there, I met the Green Ranger. All right. Yeah, yeah I know. I did, I did that same thing. Well, you know, I really want to get this toy for Jackson's birthday. You know, I think you just want to play with that thing. Okay, yeah, but he can play with it too. Yeah. Um, it's just he's got to go to sleep sometime, and I'm a grown up, <coughs> so I can stay up later. Uh, but anyway, we're getting a Power Rangers reboot. Um, I put the teaser poster that they put out in here. Um, the teaser poster isn't really that groundbreaking or anything like that. I just threw it in here mainly because I wanted to talk about the thing a little bit. And I guess I'm going to have to put in the actual link and not the Reddit comments link, which just goes to show that's where I get most of my news from. Um, but actually, does it just, oh, it does go to the comics comment link, doesn't it? Yeah. Arr. Anyway, Whoa. though, the, the kind of dumb part of this poster is it says together we are more. And it's like, well, duh. I mean. If, if there's more than one of you, then you would be more. Um, you know, I get what they're going for, but come on. Better lines. Um, before we move into comic books, I have a couple things that I want to mention. That's okay. We haven't done anything as far as following the show notes so far, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rose City Comic Con. September 10th and 11th. I'm down. In Portland. Um, get your tickets because it's been confirmed as of yesterday. Stan Lee will be a guest in at the the Rose City uh, Comic Con, you know we we've talked about this on the show before, and I think Stan Lee has said he's not going to be doing any more Canadian Ex- cons. Which, well, he's not going to be doing any more cons after the SuperCon in Canada or whatever it is. Yeah. So this no, is that's this, what it is. You're right. This is probably going to be one of your last chances to see Stan Lee. Yeah. Um, we also have Billy Boyd from uh, Lord of the Rings. He played uh, uh, Pip. Yeah. Uh, we have Chad Coleman, Patagrin Took, who played. Uh, uh, um, uh, the big black dude, Tyrese. Okay. And The Walking Dead. Denise Crosby is going to be there. Gotcha. Um, one one of them that I'm really excited about that my wife is probably going to get mad at me because I'm going to stand in line and meet her. Um, Summer Glow is going to be there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> River. Yeah. It's River. Come on. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I'm a big fan of her body of work. Also, also she was she was uh, she played Cameron in Terminator: The Sarah Connor Chronicles, and she was an actual she was a Terminator in the TV show, and it was good. Yeah, Lena Headley was in that too. Like you'd probably actually dig that show if you ever watched it. I probably would. Lena Headley actually played uh, Sarah Connor, and the dude that they got to play John was actually really decent. Okay, so uh, John Heater's going to be there. Stanley, of course, we just mentioned Austin St. John, the original Red Power Ranger, will be there. Man. He's like, I gotta get on this Power Rangers juice, man. Uh, David Yost, the Blue Ranger, will be there. Also cool. And uh, Judge Dredd himself, Carl Urban, will be there. That is a solid lineup. Yeah. So uh, I'm definitely gonna go this year. I think we have to go this year. I haven't gone in years past. I've never been to the Rose City Comic Con. I've been to the Wizard World Comic Con. Yeah, I went to Wizard World as well. um, Probably don't want to take the kids this year. Um, I'm a big proponent of taking your kids to these things, but the downside to that is is that I didn't get to go to any panels or anything like that because they just wanted to walk around and look at shit the whole time. Can you take me? Well, I just kind of assumed. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, like, it, So this is going to be fun for me, too, because the last time I went to Comic-Con, um, 
I didn't really read comics. Like I, I think I went to Comic Con two or three years ago, and at that point I wasn't really reading any comics, and I didn't really had have a lot of knowledge of any of this stuff. And I've only really since you know the last year or two really gotten heavily into that kind of thing. So I think that I'm going to get a lot more out of this particular Comic Con than I did the last one. Um, the last one, you know, I, I kind of wandering the floor and seeing all the cool cosplays and stuff like that. But yeah, this this I think is going to be a lot more fun this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Children three to ten get in for five bucks this year. Wow, that's which is solid. not bad. Um, children under seven? No, I think it was ten and under when I went to Wizard World. Though Wizard World does it for free, y'all. So I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, two day pass. Early bird pricing is fifty bucks. Uh, three dollars and seventy four cents per ticket as a fee on top of that. So, uh, for a hundred and seven dollars, basically, um, hundred eight dollars, you're you're going to get in for both days. A little more detail than we usually go in, but I got the website open right in front of me. So yeah, everybody's like sitting on the edge of their chair. They're like, you and know, if you like, could just have, actually, can you tell me what, what's it? the copy copyright details? Are we allowed flash photography? Yeah, really no. get into there. Um, didn't go into that. No. Also, second bit of news. I talked to Eddie about this a little bit before we went on the air. Um, this show, I'm assuming, is going to get posted before July 4th. So yeah, definitely. will. you you have a little bit of time. Steam has a really cool sale on right now. A lot of good uh, games. If you if you're a PC gamer, Steam Summer Sale, bitches. And if you are a PC gamer and you haven't heard this, I just changed your life. Yeah. Well, um, really mad, dude. So um, I just bought today for 20 bucks um, Tomb Raider, the Game of the Year edition. Not not the Rise of the Tomb Raider. I didn't buy that one. Um, but I bought it in a package that came with all the other original Tomb Raider games that came before that as well. So I got like eight games, nine games or something like that for 20 bucks. Um, if you're a Bioshock fan, they got Bioshock 1, 2, and 3. Um, they're not sold as a package, but if you bought all three of them at the same time, you're paying like $15 and 50 cents for all three games. And those are, those are AAA title games. Like they're huge. Yeah. And the thing that's awesome about steam summer sale is that's not like the only deal that there is. There's, no, there's tons a ton. and tons and tons. I, so, I only named a few. I mean, honestly, if you've been playing PC or if you've been a PC gamer for any length of time, you, this is probably already shit, you know, but if you're not seriously, you, you need to go check that out right now. All um, the fallout games are currently on sale right yeah, now the, as well. This, the steam sales are why I have a catalog of like a hundred and something games. And I played like 15 of them. Um, because you know, sometimes it's like, well, that's only five bucks. I guess I'm buying that game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil games are between 30 and 83% off. Uh, shit, Fallout between 40 and 50% off. I mean, so, like... Dude, you can regularly get Fallout on the summer sale for, like, I don't know, 50, uh, 4 or $5. If, if Fallout, you don't... Fallout uh, 3 and Fallout New Vegas, which still totally hold up. Fallout New Vegas is $11.99 right now. Um, same with Fallout 3. Uh, Fallout 4 right now is 30 bucks. So that's actually a really good uh, price for that title too. Yeah. Like uh, I just finally bought Grand Theft Auto probably three weeks ago because it dropped down to 40 and that game's out been, been out significantly longer. I think so. it's only 30 bucks right now too. Uh, Resident Evil. If you're a big fan of the Resident Evil franchise, um, there's not a lot of like, a lot of you left. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. There's still some, there's some, I mean, but that, that that franchise has gone way downhill. You can get Resident Evil 6, the complete pack. So that's Resident Evil 6 with all the DLC, $8.39. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, that's... Hop that's, on the Steam sale. That's some games. Yeah. Steam sale. 
Speaking of games, actually, we can go off on that little tangent too. Do it. I've been playing the shit out of Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah. Holy God, I'm just so amazed. Like, first off, how many on, times they can say nigger in one sentence? Yeah, that is that is impressive. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like it, it's like uh, um, we here at the Whatever Show do not endorse the usage of the N word. At least not if you're white. Um, no, at all. The the uh, the thing about this game is that. You know, I've played them all, and they each, you know, expand out like relative to what we get, we get today, or even with Grand Theft Auto Four. Uh, uh, GTA Three was, you know, tiny, tiny, tiny by comparison. Um, and so each of the games have gotten a little bit larger. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Four scaled that back a little bit because I got a lot uh, more technologically superior in a lot of other ways. Like the car details got more interesting. They had a lot more mission types and blah 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 and so on. San Andreas was ridiculous. Huge. San Andreas, I remember that. San Andreas was gigantic in terms of like map size, but it also had a lot of different missions and shit like that you could do. Like that was um, probably one of the pinnacles of uh, uh, the GTA franchise for its platform. Vice City and and San Andreas, I think, were my two favorites. Yeah, and the that's fair. Like they're the uh, they're two still or they're still two. I mean, they're all great games. Dude, but, I remember playing. I remember playing GTA. Uh, three with you and Kevin Veyu in the break room at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the uh, the reason I bring this up is because I'm playing Grand Theft Auto Five now, and the game has just gotten so ridiculous. So like, a you get all the same sort of like story elements and stuff like that that you're used to in the Grand Theft Auto franchise, except for it's gotten larger. Obviously, this game's gotten larger because you have three uh, protagonists in this game, and they you know each have their own mission set and so on. Um, obviously, this game has gotten larger because you have the entirety of San Andreas um, and that's even bigger than the original you know San Andreas title um, so that that's all you know huge but then there's a little like last night the reason I, I started thinking about this is because I'm playing the game and it starts raining and I'm like well holy shit it's raining and then I noticed that my car drives different in the rain yeah like so i'm like oh okay like this is the level of immersion we're getting to in these games so and what's crazy about this is we're doing this shit on a playstation 4 hardware like this is one of the reasons why i I would you know go full you know pc gaming master race and just cut out consoles entirely if i could because the shit we could do on like a modern pc um you know relative to what we can do on a playstation 4 is ridiculous um so you gotta see fallout 4 on ultra settings yeah i mean we're just uh, that's just graphics but i'm talking about like the computing power that's available to you on a playstation versus a pc is ridiculous and there's you know there there could be a whole lot a whole new um uh realm for you know play styles and you know things like that more than just graphics but even graphics wise uh you could do some amazing shit there so i'm honestly blown away that that the ps4 went with a an x86 processor for the ps4 I am, but I think I I think the reason for it is pretty easy to explain. Like the cell, the cell was very technologically advanced, except for the fact that um, wasn't the throughput to the GPU faster than an x86 can do though. I I think relative um, at the time the cell came out, it was very a very very powerful architecture. The problem was that um, nobody knew how to write for it very well. Uh, so you're if telling you, me there's not a bevy of PS3 titles out there that are fucking ridiculous good. Oh, no, no, there, there <laughs> certainly are, but I'm talking about from a technological standpoint. Like, people couldn't use the cell to its full potential. A, because it was so much better uh, for a long time than the Xbox, and if you're going to port your game over to the Xbox, you can't have it look amazing and do these awesome things on the PlayStation and then turn to the Xbox and have it be bullshit. Like, we're seeing this uh, actually similarly with PC games. Um, it's now a feature, like, when you see that there's no frame rate cap. 
on uh, PC ports. Like I've seen that touted as a feature, which is just ridiculous. Um, but that's because you know they they're worried about the same thing. They don't want the PC game to look so you know technologically superior uh, to their you know PlayStation and and Xbox uh, ports. Um, so anyway, the cell was kind of the same way. Everything else was x86. So you had x86, Xbox, of course, um, and then the P- PC, uh, and then you had the cell being its sort of own odd man out. So I heard that at the time, porting games to the cell was really, really difficult, and really maximizing what the cell could do was really, really difficult. So um, I think that's the big reason why we got an x86 uh, mm. PlayStation 4. I mean, they could have been worse. It could have been like, hey, we want to do everything with motion controls. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they do to some extent. They had the 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 PlayStation Move. Yeah, but it was kind of short lived. I mean, I think that's because that was like a, you know, like three D in movies. Like if you're gonna shoot the movie in three D from the beginning, like so did like the Wii did. Uh, you know, the Wii, you know, really emphasized motion control as being like and those games were built around it. Yeah, the games for the Wii were built around the idea of having motion controls available, whereas they tried to tack it on and, and you know suck on some of that Wii juice uh, once Av- they saw what it was doing. Avatar was actually filmed with 3D cameras, hence why the 3D in that movie is better than any other 3D movie that Basically, is out there. yeah. So I think you got the same, you know, got the console uh, console equivalent of that. And then, you know, of course, Xbox tried to do the same thing with the Kinect, you know. Oh, motion's the thing. We got to stand up and make our arms wave around. Um, but that never took off either because nobody ever bought into that either because it's, it's not a default. Like, you couldn't count on players to actually have a Kinect. You couldn't count on players to actually have a move. So, you know are you going to build your game around this thing that, you know, is probably going to cut out a relatively large portion of the audience from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. No. Then, you know, it's unfortunate too, because um, at least with the connect, I saw this early demo and one of the things that they were showing was um, you could use head tracking with a connect to actually change your perspective. So let's just pretend the window, your, your TV is a window and you're, you're holding it, you know, it's a shooter game you're playing and you're holding a gun and looking at the window. Well, if you moved your head, it would change the angle at which you could see through the window. So now all of a sudden you could see different things inside of the game. Um, so, you know, I saw that and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Make that. And then I haven't seen any use of that yeah. sort of mechanic since the connect came out. Dude, I was playing, um, the original Tomb Raider, like old school Tomb Raider, like pointy tits Lara, Lara Croft. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I had forgotten that that game came out for the, the original PS1 before there was analog sticks on the on the controllers. Oh, yeah. And like there's no camera control. Like you can't move the camera. Wow. Like you actually have to like move your character and shit. And I'm like, I don't even know if I want to play this anymore. Like, <laughs> Yeah. If I remember correctly, though, and... um. I'm not sure that I do, but I think analog sticks came out relatively early for the PlayStation. Tomb Three was the first game that supported the the Dual Shock with the analog. Because I I, I seem to remember when when uh, anal- when uh, Dual Shock and analog came out, the analog sticks that suddenly became like a new like we got to have it sort mm-hmm. of feature. And then of course the the PS2 came out with the Dual Shock, and the Xbox of course came out with a similar setup. So yeah, the Dual Shock One controller actually was still backward compatible with the with the PS. Uh, or if it was forward compatible with the PS2, it would it would yeah. still take it. Um, and then the PS3 came out and it was completely wireless, so you you you're, could still use your own. PS2 controllers if you had like some adapter thingy. Yeah, I, I got a USB to PS2. Cool. So when I needed a third controller for the PS3, we we could we could do that if we had to. Um, <laughs> the only thing that really sucked is it always defaulted that controller to be the primary controller because it was actually directly connected to the box. So it was just like, nope, you got to be the one that's <laughs> player one. Yeah. Um, 
so anyway, that's a tangent, but just playing Grand Theft Auto Five, it, you know, like I, I think I, this is another uh, element of me like turning to my wife and saying, "Man, the future's just fucking cool." Like I just sold a, I just stole a submarine. I'm in the ocean. I just passed by a whale who was singing whale song, and there's a fucking dolphin over there. Like all the shit. Did that, you get like, beamed aboard the Enterprise? No, like this was like in the game. Like one of the missions, you have to go see, steal a submarine, and it's not like a submarine like Hunt, Hunt for Red October. It's like a submarine like uh, the thing James Cameron wrote on, you know, like a little small exploration vehicle. Yeah, yeah. But you go steal a submarine, and you have to go, you know, of course, get it back to your base, sort of thing. And like I'm driving the thing around, and a I'm like, well, I wonder how far I can go out with this. So the first thing I do is go out as far as I can and as deep as I can. And then you start getting a crushing warning, like it it starts telling you, uh, you you're reaching, you know crushing depth um and your your submarine starts getting a little fucked up and crunched in and stuff like that so i turn back and as i'm going back i'm passing whales singing whale song and i pass by a couple of dolphins that'll be whales yeah that'll be whales i haven't seen one of those well ever that wasn't in the movie (laughs) um anyway yeah just really cool It, it it actually took me back for a second like that because um that's kind of huge huge that they're able to do some of these things i think especially with just you know console hardware so yeah really would be amazed like if we got the same you know like if uh for some reason uh uh god who makes that game uh rocksteady rocksteady yeah i wanted to say rocksteady but i thought that was wrong for some reason rockstar rockstar that's why it's wrong because rocksteady makes uh, arkham Arkham and uh rockstar Rockstar. makes grand theft auto and red dead redemption yeah um, speaking of, I really hope we get another Red Dead Redemption game. I never sometime. played the first one. It's solid. I didn't play. I didn't play all of it. I think that was actually a game that I rented. the The only thing I, I know about that game is that uh, Sheldon on uh, Big Bang Theory he was really depressed about something, and so he played Red Dead Redemption and went in the bar and started drinking. <laughs> that was that was his version of of coping. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it for anybody because I'm not. I don't know anything. But I've heard that's a you know it's got a it's got a big story behind it too. So anyway, uh, I just I would love to see what a um a, a company like Rockstar could do, um if they you know were only optimizing for high to mid level you know mid level to high PC architecture, um because I I think they would be able to do some amazing shit. You you don't because then you get Arkham Knight for the pc for the no, first launch no 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 because arkham knight for the pc was a, a, a shitty uh console port that it still they they did get better eventually but it still has ridiculously high requirements for what it is i could play it yeah well my pc is old this is one of the reasons why i have a playstation because uh i could i could make an argument that the playstation's for the family and that's a more justifiable purchase than me spending you know, three or four hundred dollars to upgrade brother my PC to for the first time in six months. Use the parts I gave him too. Yeah, I will. Anyway, that's a hell of a tangent. Just saying, uh, Rockstar, get on, get on the whole PC train. Just make a PC only game. That would be amazing. Yeah, I thought I was thinking about that too. I think a big part of that is like Rockstar has essentially an unlimited budget at this point because it, it, Grand Theft Auto at this point is an automatic like it's a license to print money. Yeah, basically, you know it's launches every 10 year old every 10 year old on the planet wants that game as soon as it comes out so oh yeah jack's been begging me like since i got it or even long before since i got it to play the game and i'm like nope and if you even know what a nigger is yeah at first (laughs) at first when we were playing it um i was like well maybe uh or before i got the game i was like well maybe he could play it you know the other grand theft auto game some of it wasn't as bad and then i started i played it for like five minutes what i do just go fuck a prostitute it's fine (laughs) yeah yeah some of it like before i was like well you know you can avoid a lot of that kind of thing 
um, if you're not, you know, out trying to do it. And then I got, you know, four seconds into Grand Theft Auto Five, and I was like, well, nope, nope, you can never play this game. You're not, you know, come back when you're not 12. even when you're thirty. Yeah. All right, um, we're gonna grab another beer. Yeah, or at least I am. I don't know about him. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, and then we're gonna talk about some comic books. Yep. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, so we got some comics this week. Uh, Matt and uh, I are balls deep into the DC Rebirth saga. Fuck yeah, I didn't even read any Marvel so far this week. Yeah, and, I, and I didn't read any Marvel, and I started honestly, reading... I've I've been sick like the last week, and I was really behind. And I like the last three issues of that we're going to talk about today. I like I read when he got here. So yeah, um, yeah. Actually, <laughs> I started all new X Men right around the time that Rebirth started, and I still haven't. You know, I gotten maybe two more issues in on that, and I so have like issue twelve or something. Something, yeah. Yeah. I'm still very into the Battle of the Atom tie-in. Oh, that's a good that's a good series though. Yeah, I need I really need to get back on it because there's nothing. Um, it was a good series. It's just that all my comic book time has been absorbed by um, dude. Rebirth. I, 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 I all my comics that I bought recently, like I just bagged and boarded and put away in the long box and whatnot. So I was kind of going through some stuff in there. Yeah. I didn't realize that like I have like first issues of all new X Men. Oh really? Um, I have the first issue of like Savage Wolverine, and like there's a whole bunch of books that came out right around that time that I bought like number ones of. Yeah. And then, like I didn't subscribe to it, but I at least wanted the number one issues, and I was like, oh man, I forgot I had these. Yeah. And then all those books have been rebooted like three times now. Yeah. Uh, so what do we want to start with? Start with Aquaman. Yeah. Um, it, much better than the Rebirth issue, but I think it's still probably the the weakest out of the five books that we have listed here. It is. It's it's readable, and there's nothing about it that really is like ah, this this is just not good. Um, this issue I think brought it quite a ways up for me. Yeah. But uh, some of the other titles we're going to talk about today are basically on fire. So so to me, the story actually was super good in this in this book. Yeah. Um, but the art was like way over the top in a lot of places, and and like it it was a little bit much for me to handle. Yeah, there were parts of this where I, I was like, "Ah, oh, man, Aquaman that, that's just was bad." Kind of presented like, um, "Who's the dude that plays the defense against the dark arts instructor in like the second Yeah, one? I had that exact same thought. I don't remember what you're, I know. What's, here, what's his Lockhart? Fucking name? Yeah, Lockhart, Gilderoy yeah. Lockhart. Like, like the way he was drawn was just like, ding, you know, yeah. and his like little gleam coming off his teeth and whatnot. So, um, I didn't dig that. Also, um, his. Aquaman's wife or fiance, I guess, in the current timeline, like Mira, she's super hot. And yeah, um, the last artist uh, that was doing the book for, uh, well, no, maybe not even the last. The artist that was doing the book on the Jeff Johns run, like, captured her really well, um, as well as Aquaman and stuff like that. So it, it's kind of tough for me to jump into Aquaman like this. Although I will say, I'm a super big fan of Black Manta as a villain. So, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where the story is going, just because he is he's the main foil in it right now, and and that's yeah. I don't looking through this again. I don't like how this artist draws faces. Yeah, yeah, but th- this is what you're talking about. This is like the title scene where he comes in and introduces himself as Aquaman. And that's cringy as fuck. I think. Yeah, yeah. It it is just exactly how he describes it. Very like Gilder. There's Ray another Lockhart. one too that's like, just like a headshot. That's that's even worse. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know the story, the story on this is, is quite a bit better. And I do think, you know, you're totally right. Black Manta is actually a lot more interesting. Uh, but you know, like I said, I've never really been into Aquaman before, so I, I want to give this book a good chance to get its legs. Um, because I don't think Aquaman's bad. I just never haven't, I just never really been into it. So 
Anyway, uh, this story follows our hero, Aquaman, as he goes to the Atlantean, you know, sort of uh, merge point between land and sea, etc., and so on. Um, what is it called? The Slip? Or something like that? I don't remember. Yeah, shit. The Atlantean Embassy. The Spiral. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway... Um, so they've, they've basically got this embassy that, you know, that's sort of quasi on land, quasi in the water, um, Spindrift, Spindrift Spindrift. station, station. Um, and this sort of follows, you know, the story is, you know, where, where is readers being introduced to this idea of having Spindrift and, you know, um, Arthur wanting to, uh, sort of bring Atlantis to the, um, the world you know, and, and merge into, you know, the world is another government power and so on and so forth. Um, and of course, you know, as he's talking about all these things, that leads us into the whole, you know, sort of plot here, which is Black Mana's plot for revenge, uh, which is, you know, blowing up the embassy. So for anybody who's uninitiated to the character of Aquaman, the thing that makes him unique is um, that because he he's half Atlantean and half human, um, because of this, humans have always had a hard time accepting him because of all the all of his abilities that he has when it comes to you know dealing with sea life and being able to remain underwater indefinitely and all that kind of stuff. He's but, got strength too, doesn't he? Yeah, because he can survive the depths of the ocean. So when he's on land, like he's fucking he's not Superman power levels, but, but close. he can hold his own. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, but the Atlanteans are, are even more reticent to accept him because they've never had a human oh they're complete xenophobes yeah they've never had a human in their midst and he by all intents and purposes like by blood is their king um so like they have to accept him but they don't like it yeah there's actually been a lot of storylines where that's sort of the plot uh, um i think that was a little bit the plot of um like the direct to dvd animated film they did the uh, throne of atlantis yeah yeah that's uh orm his Orm, brother Orm kind of takes takes the army and like tries to invade dry land essentially yeah. because you know he, uh, uh, does a pretty Arthur's good job not, too because he brought a fucking kraken. Yeah, he he's kind of like all of of the camp that you know Arthur's not really their king because he's you know, a land dweller you know at least part time. So yeah, but I think it also depends on the uh, the origin story for Arthur. I think is that he doesn't find out he's Atlantean until he's older. Like wasn't he yeah. raised by the dude in the lighthouse, and he doesn't find out he's Atlantean until yeah, because his dad, his dad's human. Yeah. So um, his mom was descended from the original, the first king of Atlantis, and whatnot. So yeah. Um. The thing, the thing about the the current story where we're at right now is, it's basically Arthur, as the king of the Atlanteans, is extending the olive branch to the, to the surface world. He's he's trying to get. Um, not only surface dwellers, but his own people to accept the fact that each other exists and to work cohesively um, as though Atlantis is just another nation. Yeah. And um, he's getting pushback from some of his people, um, like the ones that are directly working for his kingdom and whatnot, obviously serve him. Um, but there's there's some quote unquote like mercenary types that are out there that are trying to foil his plans. Um, we've also got the Black Manta, who is completely and totally human, uh, trying to foil his plans from that side of things. And then the humans are equally as like kind of astonished um, and don't quite know how to handle Atlanteans. I mean, the humans react as humans do, which is, you know, with fear and so on. Um, 
And uh, the Atlanteans aren't much different in that respect. Like, um, they, they're both, you know, very, very nervous and reticent about each other. Um, the humans probably partially because uh, Atlantean technology is quite a, quite a ways ahead. Yeah. Um, and Atlanteans in general, because uh, although they have superior technology, there's quite a bit less of them. Plus, um, they're, they're superhuman. Like, I mean, when yeah. it comes to their strength, like, he's not special, like, because he has random superpowers. Like, he's special because he's, he's Atlantean. Um, so all of his Atlantean subjects have the same strength and, and yeah. such. And I mean, I, I get it. Like from he's a, human, a lot closer to a normal dude when he's under the water. Yeah. From a, from a human like perspective, like that would kind of be a little weird to me if like all of a sudden this race of people that like is obviously genetically superior. Yeah. Um, you know, all of a sudden like, Hey, we want to be your friend, you know? Yeah, I hope they delve more into this because I think, you know, given how long we've talked about it relative to what the actual story of this book was, um, that's one of the more interesting points, I think, to me. Yeah. And how Arthur relates between the two worlds. And they are touching on that in the, in the book, um, you know, but that, that to me is what's interesting about Aquaman. Of course, like I said, I know my knowledge of Aquaman can fill a thimble, so... Yeah. Anyway, uh, shall we talk about another book that we read this week, like, say, Action Comics? Um, I'm going to talk about Justice League first, 52. Oh, the book that I you just, told me to read that I totally forgot. Just to. added it in there, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this actually is is a is a cool story. Uh, cool story, bro. Yeah. No, this is a, so if you've read Action Comics, nine fifty six. I don't recall. It would what be was, number one, except for they restarted the numbering. Yeah. Um. <coughs> so counting this week, there's been two since Rebirth. Um, where we see Lex Luthor that, and he's got a, um, uh, he's got the the Superman logo on his chest, but he's also got the cape. Yep, that that would be the first of the Rebirth action titles, I think. Justice League Fifty Two actually goes into detail about how he acquired the cape. Really? Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool. So, um, it's it's a prequel to these books. Obviously, it's not something that you have to read in order to enjoy action comics. But um, once I read it, I was like, hey, that's way fucking cool. Yeah. So, um, I'm really only familiar with kind of with what Lex is doing in action comics right now. Is he on the up and up? No. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I didn't suspect that was going to be the case, but the, the deal so with far, our Lex, seems like he kind of is. The deal with the new 52 Lex is that he's not as out and out sinister as the old school Lex that we kind of know and love. Yeah. Is. The old school Lex is like a cackling bad guy, evil, you know, tying damsels to train tracks sort of bad. Not really? I mean, that's not even him either. Like, I mean, no, he's I mean, right. I mean, that's that's his whole thing is like he does what he does because he thinks it's what's best for for Earth and for the human American people. Uh, you know, more than anything. But uh, he just doesn't have any kind of like filter to to say what you're doing is not right because it's not right. Like, yeah. regardless of anything else. Um, and he also is unscrupulous. Like, he he doesn't have any kind of moral compunctions about using his power or influence to, to do whatever he wants to do to crush somebody or to start a potential disaster in order to make himself look like the hero. Yeah. Um, that's that's the like Very um, uh, narcissistic. Yeah. Um, so, essentially, um, the story... <coughs> Sorry. The story goes um, something to the tune of the Daily Planet is about ready to unveil the cape. It's going to be on display in their lobby because um, the New 52 Superman was outed as being Clark Kent earlier yeah. on in the continuity and whatnot. And uh, 
So because he had no living relatives left, the, the cape was actually um, given to the Daily Planet to do with as they pleased because the, the, the folks at the planet were kind of the only thing, like a family that Clark had. Um, so Lex wants the cape. So what he does is within a 24-hour span of time is able to wheel and deal and purchases the Daily Planet specifically so he can walk in there the next day and be like, all right, give me the cape. Yeah, it's mine now. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like just the right amount of dick move for a Lex Luthor sort of thing. Yeah. And the thing is, is Lex, for all intents and purposes, like he is definitely a bad guy, mostly a bad guy, sort of a bad guy. Yeah. Um, But he also doesn't know that this new Superman is actually the OG Superman that we all knew and loved either. Like he, he thinks this dude is just as much of an imposter as everybody else seeing him wearing the the superman crest thinks you know what i mean like it's yeah and then it really fucks it up because then this other guy shows up that says he's clark kent and you know jimmy's like but that's not you're supposed to be that guy yeah and, uh and you're both here and and clark you know the the, the guy playing clark, clark it does not seem to let on that he has any sort of you know secondary identity you know in superman he seems to just be clark kent yeah we're we're going to um we're leading into a very um, reign of Superman-ish uh, type storyline. Yeah. And I'm excited to see where it goes because I like the original reign of the Superman story. Um, and this is kind of a modern day retelling of it. Only it's, I mean, obviously we still have that continuity as well as, as something new happening. Um, we've obviously segued into action comics now, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um which fucking doomsday like yeah that was badass they've so. done such a great job of revitalizing doomsday and and bringing back the old school doomsday look that was doomsday in the 90s when he killed superman yeah spoilers and that's actually you know a big part of what we're getting i think in this book at least to start off with is is that uh you know clark clark or sorry i should say superman um old school superman is kind of like oh it's doomsday you know he killed me once before i really gotta you know thrush it down and and lois and and john which is uh clark's son are sort of watching at home on the tv and john's kind of like naively asking questions you know like is dad gonna be okay i should go fight with him and lois is like no he'll be fine kind of you know but secretly wondering you know will he because you know the last time she remembers that he faced doomsday uh he totally died so yeah uh, and that's still very up in the air you know I, obviously i don't think they're gonna kill him in issue three uh or whatever of action comics who knows yeah, we could, we we should see, and everybody would be like, "Didn't you just die last week?" I mean, how many times are you going to use that? Um, well, we are leading into kind of a Rain of the Superman storyline, which seemingly he may not be around. Interesting. For a few issues. That would be at a, least that. I uh, mean, that's 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 a bold move, Cotton. That would be an extremely bold move, given that they've just essentially brought back the Superman. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, they they brought doomsday back into it and i really like that how, how that whole thing played uh number one because you know just to, kind of to your point um lex uh you know whatever his motivations are for this he is essentially helping out superman i mean he wants to be seen as the sort of hero and the guy giving the orders and stuff like that but he's taking orders in this as much as he you know uh is trying you know to avoid that so yeah um and then we've got that whole thing with the, the, you know, the third, you know, the Clark Kent character who we don't have any idea what that's about as far as I know, unless there's something in you know, one of the Justice League books that I missed and didn't read. Yeah, no, the, I mean, I'm obviously intrigued. Like, I'm still, yeah, like, I'm waiting for the next issue. And the nice thing about it is, at least for the current time being, um, 
both action comics and detective comics are bi-weekly so we're getting them every two weeks instead of having to wait yeah a month um but i'm digging it i'm digging it because uh you know like i said with the history with doomsday and that and that we've recently lost a superman with uh the death of the new 50 death of the new 52 superman um i think the you know having doomsday come back and be one of the the big bads this early on is an interesting way to play that so yeah. although there is some question about whether or not this is actually doomsday at least by clark um you know superman proper in in the issue so we'll see if that actually seems to actually have some kind of logic like yeah. he's he's trying to outsmart superman as opposed to just outright beat him to death yeah, the other Doomsday was sheer brawn. Uh, um, the Doomsday that killed Superman was just sheer destructive force. Um, this Doomsday doesn't seem to be that, so yeah. we'll see how that plays. Uh, so, Detective. Detective Comics. Um, so, in this book, we get uh, Batwoman uh, essentially beating the shit out of the kids uh, in the whole, they call it the mud room, but you might as well think of it as the X-Men danger room. Um, I thought this was interesting because this is essentially um, a room that is tied into the back computer yeah. um, and tied into remnants of Clayface, like just Clayface material that aren't necessarily attached to Clayface at this yeah. point. Um, so it just kind of the Morphs back into computer whatever they tells to be. The, the clay to, to do bad things to the the students and whatnot yeah but i mean it, the the end end game here is it essentially looks essentially the same as the x-men danger room like it's just a yeah. big way to train the guys and get to kick their asses in a way that looks realistic so you know that's how we open the book you don't necessarily know that it's the mudroom opening the book you open it with the, you know this fight which they are basically getting their asses handed to them in by like 500 jokers or something yeah and then they they're kind of like okay cut do you know where you went wrong and that's batwoman of course like well, you fucked up over there, and the, well, the, and this wasn't even Batwoman that that was that was calling the shots to 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 end it. Like this is like she was trying to push him to keep going, and Tim Drake yeah. was like, "Nope, I'm overriding the shit. We're done." Yeah, um, which actually is a side of Tim Drake that um, I think is badass. I'm I'm really excited about getting more Tim Drake going forward. I didn't read the the Teen Titans uh, from the New Fifty Two that actually featured Tim Drake, Red Robin. See, I have almost no familiarity with Tim Drake. <laughs> Um, my, so like, I haven't read any, any stories that are particularly, you know, Tim Drake stories. So that part is interesting to me too. And that is one of the things I'm excited to see because I think, uh, gosh, help me. But I think Titans Rebirth features Tim Drake as, uh, the Robin there. Yeah. Yeah. Is he Red Robin or is he just Robin? I think he's Red Robin. I think he's, he's, well, it's the same Tim Drake that's in Detective. Yeah. So I I think I'm pretty sure he's Red Robin. This is, this is the problem of having Rebirth right now is like, there's no kind of set timeline as to where we're at compared yeah. to the other books um because teen titans just came out this week as well which not is not titans number one uh it was actual teen titans and i believe it still has tim drake in the actual red robin costume whereas he's more in a in an old school costume interesting uh right now so i'm not i mean i i'm not saying like i'm throwing the towel and i give up because dc's continuity is shit because they're doing a fuck ton better than marvel is right now as far as being able to have cohesive storylines between books and whatnot um but there's some things that are definitely gonna have to uh change a little bit yeah just get fleshed out a little bit better um 21 just came out anyway um this one, you know, Tim Drake essentially shuts down the whole mudroom thing, and, and yeah, Batwoman got—is it Cassandra Kane? 
Something Kane. I can't remember. Something Kane. I think it's Cassandra Kane. Yeah. So this just came out this week, and that's obviously not the same. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So uh, Cassandra Kane basically was pushing them to see how long they could go. Uh, um, you know, and, and I think that he, she has an argument with uh, Tim Drake basically saying, you know, like Tim saying it's already been three hours or something like that. And then uh, Batwoman goes to, you know, basically tell them how they fucked up, uh, which was fun. So, yeah. Um, second piece that I really dug about this, this book besides the, the Tim Drake aspect of it. And this actually is kind of tied to the Tim Drake aspect of it is, they're essentially in kind of a bat compound. It's a bat cave, so to speak. But uh, they're they're in a skyscraper, like in the middle yeah. of the fucking city. So when something goes wrong, like they're already in the city. They're not on the outskirts having to, to drive from stately Wayne Manor. Yeah, that that's like almost a line out of the book, essentially. Yeah. They're, they're saying just that, you know, like we're no longer, you know, we have all the resources, but we're not stuck in the cave sort of thing. So, yeah, that, that was an interesting way to go, too. Um you know, I like how they're going with this this yeah. book. This is it's sort of an interesting. <coughs> you know, we've had a very uh, Bruce Wayne focused detective comics for the New Fifty Two run, um, so they're obviously doing something different with Rebirth. Yeah, um, the thing I like about this too is there's there's definitely some backstories going on. Um, as much as Batman wants to create this Bat team, um, we've got Kane, uh, aka Batwoman, whose dad is trying to actively pull her back into the military in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, and he's kind of saying like, "Do you really want to trust this Bruce guy?" He, uh, which I think, uh, I think he does call him Bruce. Yeah, he knows he knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah, however that came to be, I don't know. I I didn't actually read the Batwoman title, so oh, maybe we need to catch up on that because uh, I think I might like that. Yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah, just that he's he's basically like, um, I don't think he ever comes out and says like you need to come back and be you know in the army or whatever. But he essentially he, is saying like he actually says it in. Uh, the f- the last issue of detective okay yeah, yeah. okay that makes sense because i was i was gonna say like if he doesn't say it directly he essentially says you know like you're wasted doing this you should be you know leading a team where everybody has your back you know like in the army essentially so yeah um um and it, at that i think it's sort of a backhanded jab at bruce because uh he still feels like and we we know that she's being left out of the loop on something we don't know exactly what, uh, but the, through the dialogue with Alfred and Batman, we know that uh, she's not fully informed. Yeah, we've got um, we've got Tim Drake, who's been accepted into a super prestigious Ivy League college on what what they call a genius scholarship, which they only give out one per year. Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit of conflict there because he's not sure what he should do because Batman obviously is really counting on him to be part of this team and to help lead these younger kids um, and, and keep them safe. But at the same time, like he's got this opportunity that no other, no other person on the planet has his girlfriend too. says something which I think is really interesting and pr- could probably be its own Elseworlds story or something like that, which is along the lines of like, couldn't you do a much more good in the world, you know, uh, um, rather than just being like street level. Right. Like, couldn't you use your brains to do something much more? You know, like Bill Gates, for example. Let's just take Bill Gates. Bill Gates is obviously not fighting crime with his bare hands. Um, and he, he's arguably probably doing better for the world than, you know, you could fighting crime with your bare hands. Um, so that that whole thought process is interesting. And, you know, the same question I think if you raised about Batman could be an interesting one. Because obviously Br- Bruce Wayne is basically genius level. Um, so, you know, what could he do if he instead, you know, focused in, instead on being Bruce Wayne? trying to bring about change through the in the world through that manner yeah yeah anyway yeah um and then we've also got uh clayface who 
Red Robin was able to create a device that holds Clayface in his human form for uh, seemingly indefinite periods of time. And yeah, uh, he's super excited uh, about oh. that because he even asks Tim if he can take it with him and maybe go have an audition because he was an actor before he was ever Clayface. Yeah, he just could never, he can't hold the form anymore. Um, <coughs> Basil Carlo, he can't hold the form of Basil Carlo anymore, um, which is, of course, who he really is. Um, and that actually ties back into the mudroom because I think that's what they said. You know, we use this device to basically create the things in the mudroom. And so he's like, well, could, couldn't I use it? I want to use it. No, he had it. He was he was in the mudroom. He was one of the, he was one of the people in it. Oh, okay. What he says about the mudroom is oh, the, they were right. talking yeah, about the, they, the they make him hold his form as Clayface. They won't let him use his powers as Clayface because they they said essentially like he has no fundamental fighting skills. And so what yeah. happens if he's ever limited in some way? Or think of what you could do if you had Clayface's powers, but without, uh, but but with some actual fighting ability. Yeah. What what they were what he what he said though about the mudroom though is when they were talking about it being bits of Clayface material that were yeah. no longer attached. He was like, no one ever asked me how that felt. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so. But I get where you're going there. Yeah, uh, no, I I got it backwards. So thanks for bringing that or correcting that. Um, an overall really solid book. Like I'm I'm super enjoying what I'm reading. Yeah, uh, Detective is actually probably one of the standouts for me. Like I'm really yeah. enjoying that. Uh, it's 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 ranked in the middle of the pack here with the with where I'm at in the list. But honestly, anything like action detective, um, Wonder Woman, even and the Flash, like. I don't know if I could honestly put one of them above the other at this point. Yeah, you know, um, this is probably the biggest dig at Aquaman, but (coughs) that to me is the only standout book that's a little weaker than the rest. I think part of that is, like I said, I have zero familiarity with that character. Um, Well, part of that is the actual rebirth book was so weak that like it almost took the legs out from under it before we ever even got to issue number one. Yeah. Um, and I hate to be that guy because I mean I'm not a comic book writer nor am I an artist and I, I don't like to shit on other people's work but I mean it is what it is it's either good or it's not yeah and the other thing about that too is like it's not necessarily bad like I, I wouldn't go so far as to call it bad it's just that the other books are really kind of like I, I really legitimately look forward to reading all of these <laughs> titles each week uh, when they come out um, because they've been so good uh, Aquaman's the only one that I'd just like uh, I could take it or leave it you know anyway uh, let's talk uh, Wonder Woman yeah. All right. So this is, uh, I think, a pretty rad issue. So we get introduced back into uh, the whole Steve Trevor character. Yeah. This book actually um, is, I think, the only book so far that actually like opens up directly on the heels of its rebirth title. Yeah. Like, um, it's, it, it is a direct continuation of where we left off in Wonder Woman Rebirth. I think that's, I think you're correct. Yeah. Um, but this one is actually done way better than the Wonder Woman Rebirth. Wonder Woman Rebirth was not a bad book, but it was kind of one of those where we're like, well, we'll read a couple more issues yeah. and see if we're still interested kind of a thing. Um, and after issue one, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm in right now. Yeah. So it's super, super interesting. Uh, so, you know, we get introduced, uh, sorry, <coughs> introduced to Steve Trevor. Um, he's a bit bulkier than I remember him. Yeah. He's. All bearded and muscular and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, he looks... Uh, He's kind of a blonde-bearded Superman right now, which, I mean... Yeah, whatever. 
the other thing too about this book that I really liked is the art. Like this is um, for me probably one of the standouts as far as the artwork goes. Uh, Detective actually is, is really good and action is really good, but those aren't re- really radically different from um, I think their previous incarnations. Uh, this one I think is a little different, although I guess I didn't read Wonder Woman before this, but I really enjoyed the art in this book. So well, she has ditched the. Um Wonder Woman costume with the silver accents is now back into the classic gold accents on her costume and whatnot. So um, her character has kind of changed fundamentally in terms of questioning who she is, where she's from, all this kind of... In fact, that's what the Rebirth title was all about, is like which one of her origin stories should she believe? It's even this one. Uh, This this story continues that, and she's basically looking for um, what we presume to be some sort of goddess or creature, you know, uh, uh, that can help her figure out what's going on. Yeah. And she's gone to, um, I, I'm presuming, an African country mm-hmm. of some sort. Um, I think they name it, but I don't remember what it is. Bawanda or something. It's, it's not really sounding like that. Yeah. And uh, coincidentally, that's where Colonel Trevor is leading up an op uh, to take out some warlord type figure. Yeah. His handler's kind of like, uh, did you call her? You know, like, and I don't buy that. You know, sort yeah. of. Yeah. So they're coincidentally on the same on the same continent in the same country right now um though they haven't met up yet so we'll see if we'll see if their stories actually cause them to um to cross paths and whatnot but uh um the 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 last page of this book is kind of what really amazed me because um i was unsure of who she was looking for the entire time so was i go ahead who was it it's cheetah yeah yeah so, um, if you're on, like, I know very little about Wonder Woman, but I do know that Cheetah is typically a Wonder Woman bad guy. Yeah. Um, so they have that, a very storied history. That was interesting to me. She's looking for Cheetah, uh, um, for help. Uh, so th- this book ended on a hell of a cliffhanger, I would say, um, which I, I really enjoyed the whole thing leading up to it too, is just sort of reestablishing who Wonder Woman is as a character, which was fun. And, you know, and, we get introduced back to Steve Trevor, um, and, and being a total badass, like she's like at several points, like there's these creatures in the jungle that are stalking her and whatnot. And she stops and she's like, look, I'm gonna give you guys three warnings. Uh-huh. I don't want to fight, but if you need to know if we do fight, you'll lose. Yeah. And, yeah, she kicks some total ass for she, yeah, a few minutes. She she's just straight OG Wonder Woman, just like you know, she doesn't afraid of anything. Sort of um, exactly that. Like these are not empty threats. Like I'm not. It's not like oh, you're gonna go to timeout if you do it one more time. It's like no, you're gonna get your ass kicked, and then she totally can back it up. Yeah, you know. So that that's that's a, that whole thing is a lot of fun too. Um, I'm I'm digging the art in this book too. Mm-hmm. Um, Wonder Woman has kind of been one of those characters that like. Um, as as a typical horny male, uh, has not necessarily been like my go to comic book for you know you know crazy fantastical imaginings, um, but the way she's drawn in this book is actually like she's pretty sexy. She is. Um, so number one, uh, this actually kind of still highlights why I think Gal Gadot wasn't necessarily the best casting choice for Wonder Woman because she looks you know positively like a little kid playing in her mom's clothes you know when you put her up against what they've drawn in the in the books here obviously it's a lot easier to draw a woman than it is to be one though so right um but this book has you know some of my favorite art in this series and i think um there's one particular i'm trying to find the panel really fast but there's one particular standout panel for me which is basically just diana um it might even have been the title one but it's just basically diana standing there in the full wonder woman costume and it just looks amazing so um but the whole thing, the whole thing is drawn extraordinarily well. 
Yeah, I I dug the art. Yeah, you know, like as much as I was saying that the faces in Aquaman kind of suck, they're really good in this book. Like, there's um not only you know like I I really like the way they drew Trevor. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but there's you know some a shot of a couple of old guys that Trevor ends up talking to. Uh, you know, trying to track down the warlord or whatever. Old villagers. Yeah, and they they look really well drawn. Well drawn too. Like the person who draws. They're all weathered and wrinkled and yeah, shit. Yeah, has a solid grasp of you know character anatomy or human anatomy. Um, gosh, I'm trying to find. Yeah, it may just. It's, I think it's that one. I think it is just the title. It's just her standing there in the costume. But you you know you get to see the old costume, um, and honestly, uh, I actually did like the new Fifty Two. I, I like the pants. Uh, the Wonder Woman pants costume. Um, that was pre-New 52. That was... Uh, right at the end, pre-Flashpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a big deal. Like, a lot of people were really upset about that costume. Well, I think there... there well, there's two reasons. The people that were upset about it were probably uh, upset about it for the, you know, opposite reasons that the about the people that liked it. Number one is... Um, you know the original Wonder Woman costume is the original Wonder Woman costume, and it looks cool. Um, but most of that's backed by nostalgia. But it does have that very like Hollywood uh, uh, Hollywood girl armor sort of thing yeah. going on. Like, you know what armor I would wear if I was a girl? One that only covered my tits because nothing else is you know vulnerable whatsoever. Yeah, my, um, and my legs are going to be exposed. Yeah, and my legs are going to be exposed. The so, thing about it is, with Wonder Woman, you can do that though because she's like. She, she like a la Superman. Like she's nigh un- invulnerable, so like you can. And I was going to make that argument a little bit too, like it, from a you know feminism standpoint. Like I like the old Wonder or the Wonder Woman costume in the pants, you know, pre Flashpoint, um, because I think that is it's a it's a good costume number one, um, but be you know it, it's a little bit more realistic I think in terms of you know modern modern standards for that type of thing. But the old Wonder Woman costume number one is the original costume, and you can't really forget that too much. Um, but this one is, you know, drawn with enough update that it looks really, really good. Um, and like you said, she's not an actual, you know, like it's not actually like she needs to be armored or anything like that. Yeah. Like, um, she, she is she Wonder could Woman. walk around nude and not get hurt. Yeah. And part of that too is, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I got to keep reading more of the Wonder Woman book. Cause I, I, I don't think that they dress like her on their mascara, but it could be wrong. They do. They do. Yeah. They have the skirts and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. So that's fine. But you know, let's not let's not let's be honest. The reason that this costume is what it is is largely because horny teenagers, yeah, and artists. Well, nerdy fucking ten year olds who had no hope of getting laid are the ones that bought this. But see, book like at the beginning, three so. three pages from the end, like look at those biceps, dude. She's fucking jacked. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean Gal Gadot looks pretty good, but she's no Amazon. I. That, and that's the thing, man. Like, I, I was really down on the casting of Gal Gadot for a while. Then I saw the movie. Yeah, she did a great she job. She did a great I'm job. Saying, I'm like, just saying, I'm, like, I mean, first off, again, shy of a porn star, who are you going to cast that's actually going to, like, resemble comic book Diana, though? You know what I mean? Like, that's. Well, I just more mean, like, a more muscular. Uh, and the only person you could cast, really, is, like, Gina Carano. Gina Carano. And she's, yeah, kind of already busy. And not that great of an actress. Like, not, I mean, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of an uphill battle ever casting somebody who was going to really look like or have the physical president presence of you know comic Diana. But they did a lot of other things right with that character. I mean, they could have gone a lot of silly ways with the costumes and things like that that they did not. So yeah. they they really stuck, and and that's actually kind of you know 
a, a good argument too. Like they really stuck to the traditional Wonder Woman costume. They did. Um, uh, they could have, you know, given it a little bit more color, but you know, it's Snyder, so we kind of say that about every movie. Uh, oh, poor Snyder. Yeah, I mean, one he—you have to assume he's colorblind or something. Like he can only see a certain gamut or something. I don't know. No, I just think he's at that point where he's like, "This it's is artistic. this is my this is my niche. This is yeah. what I do. This is I need to put my stand." Like he's like the the uh, the the bad guys in. Um, the, oh, but guys, if I oversaturate the color, then they won't know I directed the movie. In Home Alone. He's like the bad guys in Home Alone. We're the wet bandits. Yeah, but that's stupid. But yeah, it's but what we do. It's what we do. And this is how I make movies. All right. Last up on the docket, we have The Flash. Rebirth number one. Um, Or I guess it's just The Flash number one. This is Flash number one, yeah. Yeah. Most the bizarre book. Keep, keeps confusing me. Yeah. The Out of the set. This month, no, I'm really, this week. I'm really, really interested in this because I'm wondering if we're going to um, go a completely different direction than we've seen before. Like, is this going to be? Or do you think they're like? You think we're getting a new speedster out of this, or we're going to somehow tie it into old continuity, or this is going to be like some flash in the pan? Huh, huh, not on purpose. Sorry, I have no clue. Yeah, I mean, so this is. Um, <coughs> I'm just going to do a real high level on this book because um, it's. Uh, a lot happens in a few pages and whatnot, but um, anyway, it, it opens up before Barry becomes the Flash. Like that's kind of the it kind of you know years ago kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, in a flashback scene, and he's working with one particular cop, and I don't remember his name, nor do I. I'll see if I can find it really fast. Keep it talking. Um, yeah, and um, he's busy trying to analyze evidence from his mom's murder to try and solve that case. And then this cop has a brother that's dead, and he's like, "I don't want to pull you off your mom's case, but I think I got a really good solid lead with my brother." Um, and I, I want some justice for that. Can you help me out? And Barry's like, yeah, sure. And then the dude leaves and lightning hits and he becomes the flash. Um, this was not a retelling of the origin story by any means. This was just actually kind of to introduce us to this character, I think, or at least to remind us of the character. If we met him before, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think his name is August. August. Yeah, it is August. Um, so flash forward to now, um, he's late to crime scene. Uh, there's been a break in at star labs. Uh, and, but there's another CSI there and Barry's like, I got to meet Iris cause, um, her nephew Wally needs my help with the science project. And he's not talking about like Wally Wally. He's um, talking about new, new 52, new 52 Wally. Wally. Um, that he makes it a point to say that he's been trying to spend extra time with since original Wally has come back into the fold. Yeah. Um, and whatnot, but not very much because he doesn't know that new 52 Wally is a speedster now. Yeah. Uh, um, which New 52 Wally kind of tries to allude to a couple of times, it seems like. Yeah. But, uh, and then there's an emergency and there's a fire and there's also a, a hostage situation. Um, with his buddy August. With his buddy August again. So um, long story short, he kind of rescues the people from the fire and gets there just in time to see August get shot. Um, only August doesn't get shot. August gets hit by a bunch of lightning and all of a sudden looks like he's a speedster at the end. Yeah, this is actually really cool because, um, number one, I the art style in here is growing on me quite a bit. Um, and there are a few standout panels in this that are really good. But the whole story is basically like Barry's fast, but he can't be two places at once. So he decides to go, f- go after the fire first. And you can see, you know, the way that they tell the story that he's he's being slowed down by events that had happened in that particular part. So he has to run to the, you know, the hostage situation with August next. And yeah, I just, I really love how they did that in, in the book. Uh, 
but it's really interesting what they're doing with the whole August thing too, because at the end, you know, you, you do for a second, I thought reverse flash almost. Yeah. Cause there was a yellow blur. Yeah. It almost looks like there's a yellow blur that steps in front of August. And then you see the, him, uh, uh, sort of get up with, with the lightning so that it's sort of, I think, I think it is implied. No, that, that is definitely maybe. No, he gets hit by the lightning, and then he goes and does it. Yeah. So it looks like we may have a new speedster in our midst. Um, but, of course, we know nothing about what's going on. So we just see the lightning strike, and then yeah, him basically go ape shit on the guy that shot at him. Yeah, this this will be interesting. Um, the art's not growing on me as much as it's growing on you. I'm sorry. It's still not great, uh, but I think this will be tolerable. Like, I, I really do want something different from the Aquaman book. This book, I think I can read. It's not going to be my favorite art style that I've seen in The Flash, but it's not going to bother me enough that I'll, I'll like notice the, it after a while. I like the Vince Giver stuff. Yeah. So, this is super interesting to me because, um, you know, one of the things that I'm not sure if we're going to get soon uh, in any of the other titles is a, you know, completely different character. I almost think it's got to be a new character at this point. I kind of, I'm kind of leaning that direction too. Although I, it could also tie into the whole um, breaking at Star Lab sort of, you know, we created a test speedster because we had something similar with the original, like the new 52 Flash. There was sort of a, um, not a speedster thing, but some confusing antics at the beginning of the book that made you think one thing and were completely different. So. Yeah, that's true. Anywho, um, I'm still I'm still digging the Flash. Uh, th- this is probably one of the titles I most look forward to right now, and part of that I'm sure is probably just you know hype from the TV show as well. But um, it's been pretty good so far, and of course the Flash tying in with Wally and his return um, has been a lot of fun as well. So yeah, I'm gonna keep. Th- this is still anxiously awaited each week uh, or each month. This one's monthly, I think, right? Um, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to get in trouble if it's not because I actually subscribe to this book. So <laughs> if, I buy, go, if I have to buy two a month, she's going get, to get pissed off of me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, um, Flash is still super good. What's nice is the um, DC pulled back the price point on these books. So they're they're three bucks again. Yeah. Um, it, we, My wife and I subscribe to um, Batman and Green Lantern uh, respectively. And like those books, by the time it was all said and done, like were like sometimes five, six bucks a piece. That's rough. Issue. I mean, um, I understand that, you know, times there are changing and what have you, but we're already, the titles are shorter than they've ever been. Yeah, they've actually, like, they, um, and actually, if you want to hear a good description about this, um, the Fat Man on Batman episode with Mark Hamill, uh, it's a two-parter. Yep. Uh, talks a lot about comic books um, starting out. They used to be 64 pages. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that, that's exactly what I was thinking of right now, um, was that, that thing and they kind of talk about how you know they they had to stick to the it was they were, a, a they were 10 cents a, t- or, a 10 then, cent title yeah um and it went from i think 64 pages to 36 or 48 pages and then yep. 36 there was um, like two or three steps down to and then where we finally were at 22 and then they went to but i think before that i think they were like <coughs> the change price i've got comic i've got old comic books upstairs um in my long boxes i've got some that are that are 10 cents i've got some that are 12 some that are 15 yeah um, stuff like that but i mean we're paying three bucks an issue now for these and that's seems like a huge price increase but i mean obviously with inflation and stuff like that it's not well relative to today though yeah i mean 
when we're talking about five dollar titles, like five dollars for a book seems like a lot. A to lot me. of the issues of Batman from the New Fifty Two are five ninety nine a piece, and that seems crazy high. Like, um, uh, especially for twenty two pages, you know, twenty pages. Yeah, they got cut to twenty in the middle of that run. So, oh really? Yeah. Ouch. So, anyway, I, I hope that DC sticks with it. Like, um, you know, I just for both DC and Marvel, I can't think that these are their primary cash cows anymore. Uh uh-uh. So they're you know, making more money off of off of movie rights and stuff like that than they're making off of anything else. The comic books, I think, are. Um, and honestly, I can't say that. Um, because the price that we pay for a paper issue in the comic book store is the same as the price we pay for digital issues. So yeah, they, they might be making money off of those still. You know, I, I think they make money off of these, but I, I, I wish that they would look at it a little bit more like a loss leader. Like, a, um, you know, we'll give you the first hit and then you, you'll try the rest on your own. I, I mean, they don't have to do that, though, obviously. You, you, you say Superman movie and it sells a million tickets before anybody even sees, a, you know, anything aside from a logo. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they really necessarily have to do that. But I do wish that, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I just wish that there was more nostalgia in modern business because this is where it kind of all came from. And I want it to still be attainable. But, like, I'd have a hard time if my kids were like, you know, I want to buy two, three, two, three books a week. You know, all of a sudden, my comic book budget is a couple hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Welcome to my pain, sir. Yeah, that's rough. <sighs> anyway, that's the show for this week. Um, I wish we could have ended on a less depressing note, but hey, the good news is there's still lots and lots of good comic books ha- coming out all the time right now. Even if they are a little spendy, they're pretty great. Um, hey, we we're really enjoying Rebirth. I'm, I'm so. gonna I'm gonna actually throw a freebie pitch in there for a specific company uh, okay. as we as we exit this. Um, since we talk about comic books so much um, on the show, especially these days when there's no TV on, uh, I actually just signed up for um, a program called Comic Book Bento. Okay. Uh, it's super cool. Um, right now, there's a Groupon, so you get your first month's box for 9 bucks instead of 20 Dope. Um, it's $5 shipping in the U.S., so you're paying 9 bucks plus the 5 shipping, so it's 14 total for the first month. After that, you pay your regular price of 20 bucks and whatnot. But um, what they're actually doing is they're actually packaging up graphic novels and shipping them out to you in a box. And um, what they do is they throw in stuff that uh, is maybe not your everyday comic book. So if you're not a superhero comic book, or maybe you are, but you're only familiar with a few... Um, Every month you're going to get a box and it's going to have at least four graphic novels in it. Um, that's going to be probably something new. Um, I got one as a gift last year. And I got um, the Dynamite uh, Comics uh, Green Hornet uh, penned by Kevin Smith, volumes one and two. Nice. Um, I got a Star Trek uh, graphic novel in there. Um, I got a, a Alien, or no, a Predator graphic novel as well as a um a marvel one that was uh a uh, scarlet johansson well you know black widow solo title gotcha it has scar joe on the cover so that's why i said that but yeah uh so i got actually five that month um and that was just just showed up in the like box. and that's comic easily 60 dollars worth of graphic novels if you went to a store and bought them that sounds like a good comic discovery service like yeah if, if you're an uber nerd and you don't know what you like like maybe you should sign up for that yeah, like I signed up for it and I told my wife and she's like, well, why did you do that? And I was like, because I got a group on and I got it for nine bucks. And she's like, but it's a recurring thing. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, and it's 20 bucks after that. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, it's never getting canceled, is it? And I was like, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I know that feeling. I can see this 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 shelf is gonna get full pretty quick. Yeah, you're gonna need another shelf. Anyway, that sounds cool. We'll have to check that out too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, check that out. Um, Comic Bento is not sponsoring us, although it'd be nice. Hey, um, I mean, it it seems like a good fit. It does, yeah, yeah. right? Um, I mean, I'd have to test out their product and really make it sure it's something that's up to the whatever right. quality standards. Uh, here's the thing. You got to sign up. I mean, give me free shit. You got to sign up before the 15th of the month, though. Otherwise, your subscription doesn't start until the next month. Um, I signed up just the, like this week, so I'm not going to actually get my first box until the end of July. So This sounds exactly almost... This must be like a business model these days because this sounds almost exactly like Loot Crate. It's it's all boxes. It's bento. So it's, I mean, yeah. But I mean, that, that same similar, same thing, like sign up at this date, you'll get this amount of stuff and it's sort of a random assortment of, you know, cool shit that you'll probably enjoy, but you wouldn't probably pick up on your own sort of thing. And, and that's, that's what the comic bento is too, is like, you don't get to choose the books that are in it because that's the idea behind the mystery box yeah. and whatnot. And they're not going to ship you stuff that they shipped out before. They're not doing duplicate crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I got the one as a gift and I didn't realize exactly how many how many books you got in it when you got it. And there happened to be five books in that one and I was like, That's pretty sweet. And then I read up on the FAQs and it's like they, they it's a minimum of Guarantee four. Guarantee four, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I think it's probably again similar to Loot Crate like that. Like sometimes you get four, sometimes you get nine. It just sort of depends on what the thing is that time. So. Yeah. But it's it's all pretty pretty solid. Um so check it out if you got the time. Um in the meantime, you can check us out on iTunes. Um, best thing you can do is give us a rating. Um, we'd love five stars, but if you don't like us, um, give us lower, and then we'll we'll work on it. Yeah. Um, or we'll tell you to fuck off. Yeah, Again. it's more likely. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I'm I'm at the brutal one at uh, on Twitter. Um, the show is at whatever show on Twitter. Um, like Eddie mentioned before, he is at Charles E. Smith. Yep. Um, whatever show Facebook.com slash whatever show gets yeah. you to our Facebook. This is the first time I've done this by myself. Uh, you're doing great. Keep on it. <laughs> Finish strong. You got one more. <clears throat> and if you'd like to email us with questions, you can do that at questions at whatevery.co. That is .co, not .com. We didn't forget the M. No, we couldn't afford the .com. Shit's like crazy expensive these days. Dude, the .co is more expensive. Just oh, really? Is it now? Yeah. That's funny. Except for somebody's probably squatting that shit now that we mentioned it. Yeah. It's, yeah. There is no whatever, whateveryshow.com or whatevery.com. Huh. I mean, there, there's one out there. It's not ours. Huh. Huh. There's nothing there. What I've really enjoyed but is... But somebody that, owns it. I've really enjoyed the trend of people buying all the weird uh, domains. Yeah. Like a lot of... um, uh, I listened to this other <laughs> show called Reply All, which is a great show if you want to listen to that too. Um, It's called Reply All and it's produced by Gimlet Media, um, which makes a whole lot of great shows, but they buy new domains like every week. So um, they've got like Dot Ninja. So like sometimes it'll, they'll say, and you know, if you want to you know hit us up uh it's reply all dot ninja or dot soy or dot you know whatever dot plumbing um they just buy new domains because i mean it's so cheap i mean you could buy a domain for five dollars a year so they just keep recycling through all these weird domain yeah. names i think i i think i bought mine I, the when i bought this domain i think it was like 12 bucks and it was like two years yeah so all right, everybody, that's the show for this week. Uh, yeah, do all those things we just said. Go rate us on iTunes and uh, come back to us next week. We'll have more great stuff for you then. Probably more comic books. Probably. Guaranteed more comic books. We're actually behind on Civil War too, so we'll we'll catch up on that and we'll we'll give you a, a rundown on where we're at in, in that whole deal. Yeah, I think there is going to be a good uh, likelihood that at some point we're reading like 35 comic books a week because we just keep adding to the list. I'm going to have to quit my job just so I can read comic books. 
we could do that. Do, does anybody pay to do that? Do you need somebody that's like a comic book reader, tester, or like reviewer? Actually, Is that a thing? I kind of looked into getting on some uh, on uh, on a comp list, and we probably have a shot of getting on comp list for like Image and nice. and IDW and stuff like that. DC and Marvel, though, they're just like, forget it. You're not getting comps from them. So, <laughs> Come which, back is, when you which have is too bad because we, we honestly sing their praises a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. See you next week. Have a good week.